Did you know that this podcast is a part of the Jayzo Modcast Podcast Network? Chances are, if you enjoy this show, you'll find other great podcasts on the network, too. The Jayzo Modcast Network offers you a choice of shows seven days a week, starting with Monday. Join Rebecca C. Lofgren, Aaron Illick, and David K. Montoya in Seeing Red. The trio dive deep down the rabbit hole each week with a combination of geek and weird news. Then on Tuesdays, join the boys from the Great White North, Mike Lutz, Rob Bellamy, and Jason Beckard in the movie Madhouse as they bring you everything Hollywood and more. On Wednesdays, Reaper Rick's Tree Frog Expose Cafe, where he crosses the line of limits as he gives us news that is unforgettable and personal views that you'll definitely remember as well. Spend Thursdays with Jim Bennett and Nick McKelvey as they join forces in American Fat Ass Podcast to talk about various topics from news, sports, to their personal lives, all the while with a humorous slant in an unapologetic fashion. Fridays, Rob Bellamy is joined with Mike Lutz as they jump in the Wayback Machine to explore the archives of the JZO Modcast to give you three hours of audio entertainment in Flashback Fridays. Saturdays, join JZO Modcast founder David K. Montoya as he explores the world for a single of Who's the Boss? Then Sundays, finish the week with What We Think with hosts S. Sadie Burbank and David K. Montoya as they tell us exactly what they think about pop culture, celebrities, and the world at large with a ton of vulgarity mixed in for good measure. The JZO Modcast Podcast Network. We've got what you want seven days a week for free. Listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher or like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And don't forget to check us out at jazelmon.com slash jazelmodcast. And now enjoy this free jazelmodcast show. And there's your damn click. Thank you for the clicks. I appreciate that. <laughs> for those of you who uh, remember last week, Rob was whining about me not clicking him in. It was a clickless Friday. That's right. Oh, by the way, I'm Mike. I'm Rob. And this is Flashback Friday. Yes. <laughs> and we are here to bring you some older podcast shows from the uh, Mod vault. Yes. Yes. Back library. Yes. Yes. No other words? Uh, history. History. Ooh. Uh, legend. Legend. Uh, Archive. Archive. Ooh. Uh, oh, um, oh, it's a challenge. Um, um, uh, hit play. All right. Our first episode. <laughs> we uh, like to do number ones, and unfortunately, this is going to be our last number one show because then we'll have done them all. What? Really? Yes. Oh, Believe wow. it or not. So our first episode oh. is Saturday segments number one. Just say boo. Thank you. This was recorded a few days before Halloween. Uh, Boo. And it says December 1st. Boo. 2012. Boo. That's a few days after. Boo. You're still on the Maybe boo. he recorded this. Forgot about it. And then said, hey. And then, yeah. But this it, is number one. Well, maybe he recorded it then. And then he was 
keeping it around. Just and then holding on to it. I don't know. All right. Well, this one says recorded a few days before Halloween. Boo. Boo. Larry talks about the new movies to DVD. Boo. Then he busts out the top 50 list of the best horror films ever made. 50? <laughs> There's been 50 horror movies made? Uh, I think well, at least <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six. Hey, whoa, that's not this show. Oh, well, I was counting them. I know you were. <laughs> Alrighty, well, yeah. let's take a listen. Hello, and welcome to Saturday Segments. I'm your host, Larry Walton. What we're going to be talking about during these segments are mainly about entertainment news, what's going on in the entertainment industry, um, different things like what's new on out in the movie theater, what's new on Blu-ray and DVD, uh, current shows that are on TV, and ones that are coming out um, during the fall and winter. I would also like to talk about uh, gossip, movie gossip, Hollywood gossip. So each segment, I'll be talking about a different uh, subject. And first of all, I want to talk about new movies that are out right now on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, first one, I'm not sure if you've seen it or not, you might have, is Dark Shadows with Johnny Depp and Phil Pfeiffer and Mother Green. I've seen it and I saw it in the movie theater and I just saw it the other day on uh, DVD. I really like, I think, a really good movie. They follow storyline from uh, Dark Shadows back in the 1980s and they follow it pretty well, I think. Um, there are some comedic lines in it, some uh, funny parts, but most of all, overall, on I think it was a good movie. Uh, I think Johnny Depp did a really great, really great job with Barnabas Collins, and Phil Pfeiffer did an excellent job with Elizabeth Collins, and Keith Green did a really good job. And, uh, also, there's a few cameos in the movie. I'm not going to give those away, but all in all, I recommend you see it. It's really good, and I enjoyed it very much. Uh, the next one is People Like Us. I'll just go down the list of one that's been around now. The Avengers. I haven't seen this yet. I know it's a really good movie. There's a lot of good uh, reviews from it, and I plan on seeing it for too long. Cabin in the Woods is out. I've seen parts of it, but I haven't seen the whole movie, so I want to really uh, look at this movie and see more what what's about. The Hunger Games, I want to see this movie also. Uh, I heard so good. Prometheus, I didn't see it in the theater, but I did see it on uh, Direct TV Cinema, on Direct TV. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I got kind of lost places, but for the most part, I thought it was really good. Um, if you're a fan of the Alien movies, um, this is kind of, I guess, a precursor to the Alien movies. Um, I know it's produced by Ridley Scott, who did all the Alien movies, but overall, overall in all, I thought it was really good. Titanic is out on DVD. I've seen Titanic three or four times, and every time I watch it, I really like it. Uh, another one is Madagascar 3. I haven't seen that one. I've seen the first one, and I like it. Um, anyway, I haven't seen Madagascar 3. Okay, now we'll go on to different Blu-ray movies. Um, the first one is Dead Ringer. The next one is Dial M for Murder. I saw that years ago. That's a really good movie. It's a suspense thriller movie. Enemy Mine, a real good movie. I've seen that a few times. Um, this movie is a limited edition, so we'll be out there soon. Find Me Guilty, I haven't seen that one. Ice Station Zebra, I've seen that one years ago. It's, it's a good movie. Um, if you like action adventure, it's a real good movie. Well, it's got the horror about. Oh, here's a good one. Max Fletcher, 
Superman, the, uh, I guess you call them movie serial from the 19, I believe it's the 1930s, 1940s. Um, they're animated movies. They're about, um, maybe about half hour long, but they're really good. I've seen most of them, but I was really impressed by the animation that was done back then. Night of the Living Dead is out. This is the one from 1998. Red Dawn is out. Strangers on the Train. Um, some more DVDs are coming out. Um, Fear and Desire. Another one that's just coming out now is called Abraham Lincoln's Vampire Hunter. I've never seen that one. So I don't know what it's like. Uh, another one is called Crooked Arrow, and if you have small children, um, like I have two granddaughters, um, this movie called Secret of the Wings is coming out. Um, more Blu-ray movies, um, Blade Runner, the 30th anniversary is coming out. The Penalty, uh, that was made in 1920 during the silent era. And then um, the last one is Bloody Sun- excuse me, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. So if you get a chance, uh, you can rent those. Um, Get them on Netflix or go to like Redbox or Blockbuster to their kiosk and you can rent these and uh, watch them. Okay, um, tonight, um, since it's Halloween coming up next Wednesday, I thought I would review um, the top 50 horror movies of all time. I looked these up on the internet one day, uh, just a few days ago. There's some on here that they did. There's some movies I will mention that were on were not on this list that could have made the top 50 list. Um, they will start with number 50 and walk and go down. The first one they have on number 50 is Candyman. Never seen that one. A lot of these I haven't seen because, well, I guess I'm kind of a classic horror movie person. I kind of like the older horror movies that came out in the 30s and 40s, like Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, uh, The Invisible Man, all of those. Those I kind of like more. The ones they have on this list, I've seen a few of them and I like them, but um, I guess I've liked horror movies ever since I was a kid. My first horror movie, I believe, I saw was Dracula, or Fino Lugosi. And I thought that was, that was, that was really well done. Fino Lugosi was a great actor. Uh, he did Dracula very, very well. He was very convincing with Dracula. With the, uh, the tape over his face and his eyes looking through his victim. It was, I thought he was a really good actor. Um, Frankenstein, oh. Frankenstein, the classic all time movie. The Forest Turtle. I like that movie. I watched it. Halloween, and every chance I get, great movie. It was made, I believe, in 1932 or 33. The acting is really well done. It makes a believable movie. Um, really, really well. Um, it's really well done. It. Uh, 
is a really weird scene. The acting is really well. Boris um, Karloff made an excellent Frankenstein. And then the next one, uh, the next one after that was The Bride of Frankenstein. And that came out, I think, a couple of years or a year later after Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Right. But she's not the best with her. It's also a little bit too. Uh, I believe the actor, I can't put the actor's name, the name of the spoke to this, something like that. He helped uh, Victor Frankenstein look for a female victim and become Frankenstein's bride. Really, just really, really well done, I thought. Um, <clears throat> the wolf man, that's another big part, was on King of Kings. It was done later in the early 40s. Um, I believe the first one, the male of those things, was a cameo of the And he gets bit by a wolf, a werewolf, or a wolf. And then he turns into a wolf, and then he bites. Montaigne Jr. and Montaigne Jr. becomes the Wolfman. It's really well done. The effects, the special effects are really well done. How he transforms from a uh, man into a, to a werewolf. Really, uh, it's really a really well done movie. If you've ever seen it or would like to see it. Last day, my, my other favorite one was the man with Paul Green. That's a really good movie, also. It's really well done. Um, I've seen it only a few times, but it's really, really a great movie if you want to see it, also. Okay, let's move on. Um, the next movie uh, on this list is Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Next one is Child's Play of Chucky. Oh, a really good one. This one came out in 1953. That was the year I was born. It's called The House of Wax with Price. It's really, really good. So, don't keep you on the sheet, also. It's, um, the main plot is, uh, I guess he's a millionaire. He invites the people up to this house. On a hill, and he would pay these people a certain amount of money they pay overnight in the common mansion. So they do, and there are some really weird things going on, like uh, skeletons, and people get killed, and it's one of those definitely who we talk about. Haunting. Um, I don't remember if I've seen this one or not. This one came out in 1963. Uh, another one is Suspiria. I haven't seen that one. Uh, it came out in 1977. The Birds. Alfred Hitchcock. Great movie. If you haven't seen the Birds, I recommend that you see it. 
won't give away the storyline, but you'll like it. Okay, the next one is <clears throat> the Omen. I've seen that a few times. It's really scary. Really good acting in it. Sixth Sense, 
I guess it would be classified as a horror movie, I'm not sure, but it's a really great movie. Um, I've seen it a few times. The next one, um, I. I haven't seen that one, I'm not sure about that. Earlier I mentioned The Mummy came out in 1932. It was Activity. Now, if you're a fan of all the paranormal activity movies, that makes the list. This one is the one from 2007. Um, <coughs> that movie is a kind of movie. Uh, I have nothing against the movie. Just, um, I don't know, kind of, I've seen kind of previews in the And just, <laughs> I don't know, just something like that. I might watch them once a time, but uh, I never really was interested in it. Okay, um... Oh. American Werewolf in London. I've seen that one. Next one is Psycho. Evil Dead 2. 
Blair Witch Project. Jaws. <laughs> oh, Jaws. Okay. Um. I've seen that a few times.
Chainsaw Massacre, I've never seen it. Like I said, I'm not into the slasher movies, like uh, Chainsaw Massacre or Stall or Nightmare on Elm Street. Just, uh, too much work for me. I like movies that have a score, some more, but I don't know, I'm not against the movies, and people want to watch them, it's fine with me, you know, I'm not against them, it's just, it's too much more for me. The Thing, this is the remake from 1982 with Russell. I've seen it, it was okay. I like the original movie, from the 1950s, Gangs are Mets, played The Thing. Toby. Good movie. So I, that's mostly a science fiction movie. It's not really a horror movie. You find uh, alien spaceship craft lands in the North Pole and the by ice. They try to salvage the uh, spaceship, but they end up blowing it up. But they did, were able to get the uh, creature out, the thing out, and the thing was frozen in the block of ice, and he gets uh, unfrozen by uh, one of the people there, military people, and we were in the airport. <laughs> no, no, no fun intended, but I was in the airport for 15 years. <laughs> anyway, um, we take turns watching the thing. One guy watching him put a blanket, a thermal blanket, a heating blanket, I guess you call it, over the thing so he wouldn't so keep looking at it. And the thing, thing falls out and left ramps everywhere all over the place. Really good.
like Marvelly. They're going to come out with a new Bond movie called Skyfall. With Daniel Craig. From the reviews I've seen, it looks pretty good. Uh, Cloud Atlas is coming out with Tom Hanks and Halle Berry. There's a comedy horror one called uh, Fun Size coming out. And another paranormal movie, Paranormal 4, I believe, is coming out. And, uh, those are coming out this weekend. Now, I believe, coming out, um, oh, another DVD coming released in Blu-ray in December is The Dark Knight Rises. Um, I never got to see that. Something, something came up, and I never was able to go see The Dark Knight Rises uh, in the theater. But I plan on getting it uh, on DVD when it comes out this holiday, around Christmas time. I'm a huge Batman fan. You can ask my wife, you can ask my friends, uh, my daughters. Even my grandkids know I'm a Batman fan. So, I plan on seeing this uh, when it comes out on DVD. Looking ahead to 2014, the Big T is coming back. I mean, the Big T is in Godzilla. He's coming back. Uh, 2014, all new movie. They're bringing uh, Godzilla out of retirement. He's been retired for a while after Final Wars. This is all a brand new uh, uh, Godzilla, brand new Godzilla movie. It's being produced by Warner Brothers and Legendary Pictures, I believe. We're going to start working on it next year. Uh, this Godzilla is the one that we all know and love and grew up with. Uh, not the one that uh, was made in the 19, 1990s by uh, Sony Pictures. It was a good movie, but I'm sorry, Godzilla didn't look like a lizard. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just my opinion. They're, really, they're bringing back the classic looking Godzilla in this movie. So I'm looking ahead to 2014. 2014 when Godzilla coming out. I also read that next year Warner Brothers is going to come out with a 3D version of The Wizard of Oz. I believe Warner Brothers is celebrating their 90th anniversary next year. So they're going to come out with a 3D version of the Wizard of Oz. I've seen the Wizard of Oz a hundred times. Loved it from beginning to end. Great movie, great cast. Great acting. Anyway, it's coming out in the 3D version next year. 
and then I've heard, I've also read that Warner Brothers is going to be producing a Justice League movie for release in 2015. I'm also looking forward to the next that movie. Like I said earlier, my uh, my broadcast. I haven't seen the Avengers yet, but I want to. And I am looking forward to seeing the Justice League movie coming out in 2015. Um. That's a lot of movies coming out. Think of them all right now, but uh, I plan on seeing Godzilla, like I said, and then the Justice uh, League movie coming out. Oh, also, uh, there is an animated Batman movie called The Dark Knight. It's not The Dark Knight Rises or anything, it's a uh, A movie uh, with uh, a more brawnier looking Batman and a female Robin who wears glasses. I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the comic book before. I believe it's on the you know, comic book. But this movie is out now on DVD, I believe. And the name of it again is uh, The Dark Knight, and I would like to, I would like to see that also. <clears throat> A lot of movies out there. Uh, <laughs> I can't name them all, uh, just the ones I've talked about and gone over. On the list, but if you like movies, you know, go out there and look for them. Uh, from your local movie theater, um, you can go to the kiosk for Blockbuster and Redbox. There's a lot of movies out there. Oh, I know what I want to talk about before I, uh, my, my time is up. Uh, I mentioned earlier about Dr. Stark Shadows or Johnny Depp. Uh, like I said, the green movie. I'm not sure how many of you are older or older like me, but if you remember Dark Shadows when it was on TV from 1966 to 1971, true story. I used to almost run home every day to watch this 
computer. It was a topic for football. I used to rush home every day to watch it. Sit on my TV and watch it. I get scared. Loved it. Couldn't wait for the next episode. Back then when it was made, it was taped live. So it wasn't edited or anything. So and you might see if you ever want to buy the DVDs of Dark Shadows, buy them, they're really good. You would see like the sound boom. The microphone boom in the, in the shop. Or you would see somebody walking across the set while they were filming. Or the actors would mess up their lines. That happened a lot. They forget their lines or set their lines wrong. Now they didn't have the time to do it over again. It was a one time thing. So if they messed up, they just have to keep going on. It was great. <laughs> really great. And then after it was over, the last uh, season was in 1971. They made two movies. House of Dark Shadows and Night of Dark Shadows with the, uh, some of the original cast from the TV series. I love that show. I really did. Like I said, I can wait to go home and see it. It's in the front of my TV and watch in the black and white. Until a few, a few years later, they changed it from black and white to color, but that was okay. I still love this. Great movie. I mean, a great TV series. It was only off for five years. A lot of the actors have uh, come and gone. Uh, recently, Jonathan Fred, who played Barnabas Collins, passed away. I believe it was in April. Storylines, secret rooms, ghosts, werewolves, vampires, witches, you name them, they had it on that show. It was really great. And then, I believe in the 1990s. Could be wrong, but the 1980s they re they redid it. Um, Dark Shadows, all new cast. Um, it was good, but not good. The original, to me, uh, the original is always best. I don't think you can copy the original 
or do any better than the original with a few exceptions like uh, Batman or uh, Superman or the Avengers or anything like that there's some exceptions out there but uh, you never can outdo Like uh, coming up, I believe this week, uh, they're going to do a new version of the monster called Rocking Bird Lane. I have uh, reservations about this. I have no idea what it's going to be like or how good it's going to be or how bad it's going to be. But my next broadcast, I will report to you and give you a uh, overview on Mockingbird Lane. So we'll see how good how bad it is. I'm not, I'm not gonna really know until I watch it. But like I said, nothing can beat the original. Like the original monster goes on for two years. Love the character, love the show. I love Spock. Greg Glenn was excellent Herman. Al Lewis was excellent as Grandpa. Yvonne DiCarlo was excellent as Lily. Butch Patrick was excellent as Eddie. And the first Marilyn, Beverly Owens, I liked her. The second Marilyn, um, she was okay. I liked her. But my all-time favorite Marilyn is Beverly Owens. Oh yeah, Pat Priest was the second Marilyn. Um, I like her, but um, if I remember right, Beverly Owens uh, got married to the producer of the show, and she never came back. So they replaced her with Pat Priest. Like I said, I'm having reservations about this new Mockingbird uh, Lane TV series. And like I said, I will do an overview uh, good points and bad points about it. I've seen the previews. I don't know. <laughs> previews really don't tell you that much. They actually watch the channel. So we will see what happens. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to me. I appreciate your time and attention. I hope you will continue listening to my weekly 
podcast. Also, uh, I'm going to do a little plug for the world of myth. My friend, Dave Matoya, who's the CEO. You can find it on the web at www.theworldofmyth.com. If you like poetry, which I do, if you like artwork, which I do, if you like reading stories, which I do, you'll like this online magazine. It comes out once a month. A lot of people contribute to it. Uh, my friend Dave contributes to it. My friend Terry Shearer contributes to it. Good, good magazine. The stories are great. The poetry is great. The artwork is great. A lot of people contribute to this magazine, so if you get a chance, uh, once again, it's www.theworldofmyth.com. And also, when you're on the computer, you can check out MythMart. That's M-Y-T-H-M-A-R-T. They're now selling uh, t-shirts, uh, apparel, uh, comic books, uh, story books, I believe. If you also get a chance, um, check out Myth. Uh, <laughs> um, Mythmart, M-Y-T-H-M-A-R-T. Okay, well, um, like I said, I thank you for listening to me. Uh, this is Saturday Segments. My name is Larry Walton. And do come back and listen to me again. I'll be talking more about uh, entertainment business. Uh, maybe a little gossip once in a while. Uh, new movies that are out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Current movies that are out now on, on in theaters. And I'll do some reviews on TV shows that I've watched. So until then, thank you for listening to me again. And remember, Saturdays are always great. The weekend is great. And I hope you appreciate me being on here. Thank you. Tell your friends about our podcast. I have a podcast. My friend Dave at the podcast. I believe the person, I can't think of the person's name, um, they do a show from Burbank. This show from Hesperia, California. On the upper desert in Southern California. Three hours from Los Angeles. Actually, two and a half hours from Los Angeles and about three hours from Las Vegas. 
Tell your friends, tell your family. Have a safe and happy Halloween. I hope your kids have fun. I hope all you listeners have fun. Uh, watching um, the movies that I talked about earlier on the AMC and uh, Turner Classic Movies. And like I said, there's a lot of movies out there to buy in there. Until then, I will talk to you again. Be safe, be happy, and be good to each other. Thank you for listening. Boo. <laughs> boo. That was scary. <laughs> I'm terrified. Petrified. No, I'm mortified. You should be in, like, John Carpenter's movies. Which one? Any of them. Oh. Well, if he's uh, Creep casting. The, creep along the background. Boo. Boo. Yep. Boo. I'm <laughs> probably not going to cast this now. No. No, he's going to steer so clear. <laughs> two, uh, two chimps on a Davenport. No, stay away from those guys. <laughs> that was a quote from a movie. Didn't you get it? Get what? Two chimps on a Davenport. Exactly. What movie was that from? The one you just quoted. No, no. Yes, it I is. want you to tell me the title of the movie. Nice <laughs> 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 try. Damn it. <laughs> I, I am not Jason. I don't know. <laughs> Terrible. What is it from? That is uh, uh, the, yeah. the, the Wayne and Garth. Wayne's World? Yeah, Wayne's World. Oh, I should watch it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're now to our next one. Randomness. Don't get us started, number Randomness. one. Randomness. Random. Totally random. Yes. Our, oh, our last batch of uh, number ones. That's right. Oh. In this you episode. You said that we were going to do the last batch of number ones. I didn't want people to. I want to surprise everyone. Oh, okay. You know. I'm totally surprised. I know you are. Boop. <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of Don't Get Us Started. Sadie Burbank and Lacey Montoya talk about... Uh, topics for not for everyone. Wow. My thought terrain derailed and there were, no, there were no survivors. Uh, Bodies spread all over the yes. podcastosphere. But they talk about topics not for everyone as they tackle subjects like castration, Ow. force feeding, funny facts, and much more listening enjoyment. Boo. <laughs> yeah, let's check it out. Hi, I'd like to welcome all of you to the first airing of our newest podcast titled, Don't, Don't Get, Get Us started. started! I'm S. Sadie Burbank. And I'm Lacey. And Lacey is the lovely wife of my friend and business associate, the artist, author, and founder of the Jayzo Modcast series, Mr. David K. Montoya. By virtue of the fact that I'm in their home to podcast at least once a week, Lacey and I have become best of friends. She and I are also gym buddies three days a week and have discovered that despite the significant difference in our ages, we have a great number of common interests about which we often share similar points of view. Lacey brings much to this project. As the mother of two children, she's an experienced director of domestic services, <laughs> an enthusiastic student of the jewelry arts, and an imaginative photographer. And she's also the future assistant developer of My Own Two Feet, the Jaden W. Montoya Public Charity. This charity is designed to support programs that teach young people with high-functioning autism how to hold jobs and live on their own. 
there will be more information about this charity as it develops. One evening after listening to the two of us giggling about a recent news item regarding <laughs> the intentional severing of a man's penis, David suggested that we might consider doing a podcast together. I think it was because we were, were giggling, giggling so much. <laughs> Given that information, you might have guessed that this podcast series will not always be about subjects generally considered to be appropriate topics for public discussion by females. If you object to that format, you should turn off your receiver now. If you're still with us and are hoping to hear the latest cupcake recipe or the best way to save a dollar on diapers, you should turn off your receiver now. now. If you're still with us and are thin-skinned when it comes to enjoying humor at the expense of others, you should turn off your receiver now. now. If you're still with us, then we'd like to welcome you to... Don't get, get us started. started. And so there, here we are. That was my little official format welcome, and that I won't ever have to do that again because we'll just start. That's it a out. one-time thing. Yeah, that was just to introduce everybody to who we are, why we're here, and what we plan, <laughs> what we think we plan to do. Hopefully, lots of giggles. Oh yeah, well we giggle anyway, whether we should or not. Um, and we think we always should because we think giggling is healthy. Yes, and what it's else? Good for the mind and the soul. Good for the mind and the soul. Uh, also, the digestion. Not that we're eating anything, but we could at any given moment if we had anything, we would. Eat. But we just came back from the gym, so no, we nah. don't want to eat right now. Uh, uh-uh. no, we just got all skinny briefly. <clears throat> so this Garden Grove woman. Yes, tell me about this. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Garden Grove, California. She um did the unthinkable to her husband. so she was sentenced to seven years to life in prison friday for drugging her estranged husband and cutting off his penis and throwing it into the garbage disposable she she, she drugged she drugged drugged him him. holy shit what'd she drug him with i wonder Um, i'm not sure if it says oh my god they put her in prison they honestly honest to god put her in prison poor thing well i suppose yeah she okay. She she drugs him. Uh huh. Okay, and then he's out, and so she whacks it off. Is yeah. that what happened? I, the sentence came to two months after Christine Q, K I E U. Okay, your guess 50, is as good as mine. Was convicted for torture and aggravated mayhem. Uh huh. <laughs> well, it would have been aggravating, that's for sure. Um. Yeah, she used a knife. Uh huh. Well, I was thinking uh, shears, but yeah, a knife yeah. would work too. Uh, let's Ew. see. Uh, messy. On the night of July 11, 2011, after her, no, excuse me, after she and her six year old husband, whose name was not released. He's not six. 60. Okay. okay. 60. Okay. Did I say six? Yeah, but that's cool. Yeah. I, I knew you didn't really mean it. Yeah, there's a zero after it. I mean, after she would have gotten more than seven years yeah. if she had a six-year-old husband. Anyway. Oh, yeah. That would have been a completely <laughs> different story. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, she uh, prepared and... The print on that's really tiny. Very small. Yeah, I'm sorry. She prepared an ambient laced dinner. Oh, ambient. Yeah. 
Some of you uh, people on psychotropics out there know Ambien. Ambien's a sleep drug. You know, when I worked at the hospital, I used to be able to walk down the hallway at night, and I could tell you who was on Ambien. Really? Yeah, because they were in there freaking out all um, the time. Ambien's the one where you take it and you go to bed at night, and then you get and up you wake and do up things and, and you don't remember it. Yeah. Put peanut butter in the yeah. toaster. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so she drugged him with Ambien. Uh-huh. And then he went to bed. Uh-huh. Then as he slept... She tied his legs and arms to the corner of the bed with oh, rope. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> she means business. She was planning ahead. This was, as they would say in uh, in the court, they would say premeditated. premeditated. Exactly. Yes. And premedicated. <laughs> anyway. And then he woke up. Oh, no. Before? Mm, well, after she got him tied down, he woke up. But before the act? Yes. Oh. Then, as he's awake, she pulls down his pants. Then she grabbed his penis, and then she cut it off. So he's awake ow. now. So she got him drugged up. Ow, ow, ow. And then Got him to sleep, and when he woke up. She just up, got him to sleep so she could tie him in the yeah, bed. Yeah, there you go. She really wanted him to suffer, huh? Then she cut it off with a knife. Then she went to the kitchen and put in the garbage disposable. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no fix in oh, that one. Oh, my goodness. Did she, like, grind the whole thing up? Ah, she turned it on. Oh, Lord, I can hear it now. <laughs> Cody just hit the mic, so and if you then, heard a funny noise, it was the dog hitting the mic. I'm not sure if he... Uh, it says, Q called 911. She called 911? She, call, she called 911? Yeah, and said her husband was bleeding. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> the man then spoke to the dispatcher and said his wife cut off his penis. Oh, my God. Oh the Garden Grove God. police arrived, and the man was rushed to ICU. Penis and all? No, not ICU. UC Irvine, excuse oh, me. Oh, oh, okay. In orange. Did they take his penis with him? What was um, left of it out of the guy? The severed organ was unsuccessful. Uh, the, uh, reattaching of yeah. the, uh, yeah, I can see that. I can understand that completely, how it would be. But I do remember... On his defense or her defense with this, she was sexually abused by him. Um, no, by early in her life. Well, okay, but why take it out on him? Right. I think he was. Um, I mean, I get you know that she was probably hostile after being sexually abused. But down here it says, um, who said that she was angry because her husband. Was dating an ex-girlfriend. Oh, well, now, see, there you go. She screamed, you deserve it. Oh, oh. <laughs> Before the attack. Oh, 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 oh. See, oh. there's always more to the story. Oh, well, you know, at least she attacked the right person, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's like Judge Judy. Uh, I was watching her one day, and and she was, uh, there was this one woman was uh, suing this other woman on account of, the first woman's husband was dallying with the second was woman. And, and Judy's going, why are you two women fighting about that? Why aren't you suing your husband? Uh-huh. He's the one. Yep. Okay. He's the one with the dallier, uh-huh. as it were. So she got even. She Stephen. sure did. By God, bless her little soul. I'm sorry she got seven years. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's fair. I think, uh, I think the least they could have done. Is, is stick her in a, in a, in a facility mm-hmm. to help her sort out her issues, issues about having been, uh, uh, 
abused. Uh, yes, when she was younger, and uh, how she may have misappropriated her anger. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but the son of a bitch had been cheating on her. Well, yeah, he was cheating on her, and 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 I get that she would want to cut off his. Uh, his uh, manhandling business personhood for that but um yeah i i kind of it's it's in, it'd be interesting to know whether they later decide that she did it because she was abused or she did it because he was just fucking around i yeah. mean who's to know for sure but there is one thing sure he's got a teeny weeny <laughs> And he is never going to fuck around again. No. No, no, There's nothing no. else for it to be cut off. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Well, now, wait a minute now. There's, uh, they, he could do, they could do plastic surgery. Yeah. But it's still going to be a teeny weeny. <laughs> and I don't think they, I don't know if they can make him. Like, I don't know if he'll be able bigger. to. Can they, I don't erect know again. About, I don't know if they can, if they are able to create a functioning, that functioning of well, a Well, people who have not. sex changes. Well, see, that's what I mean. I don't know how much they can do with it. You know, I mean, it's one. <laughs> Maybe they take his big toe off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's for other fingers that are missing. I don't. I don't think they oh. ever used a toe for the. Penis, you never but, know. I mean, let's. Maybe they have to remove the toenail. <laughs> I was just gonna say, who wants Ouch. to get laid by with a penis with a toenail on it? <laughs> Not me. No, 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 no. Okay. So anyway. Uh, God bless her. We should send her a note in jail and say, how you doing? How you doing, girl? (laughs) Maybe she'll get time off for good behavior. Maybe. If she behaves. I don't, how can she misbehave? She's in a prison full of women, right? Uh-huh, and she's getting high fives all around. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. I bet she's made a lot of friends in prison since Uh she got there. Because I have a feeling there may be a few women in prison who would like to have had had the opportunity. Yeah. (laughs) And the foresight, I think, too, to um, to tie him in the bed. See, now, if it was me, I can't imagine doing it to Ernie. Okay, because no. I, I love my honey. No. But if it was, if if I were the person involved and I had a relationship with an individual that I was that mad at, right? I think my anger would get the best of me. I don't know that I'd be <clears throat> calm and cold enough. I guess cold was the word too. I was going to say cool. It was supposed to be the word, but I think cold was the word. I don't know if I could be calm and cold enough to, uh, think of the ambient, which is a beautiful touch. I, I dig that. Yeah. That's totally wonderful. And then <laughs> tie him in the bed and then, and then he wakes up. Wake up. <laughs> and then I she says, it. you deserve it. Yeah. Well, you know, she was upset. You know, I mean, given, given, an opportunity to rethink her actions. Do you think she would have done differently? No. I mean, I mean if she had it to do all over again, would she? I think so. Probably. <laughs> that's probably what the judge thought. So that's uh-huh. probably. I hope she got a, well, maybe she got a male judge. <laughs> that's why she got seven. She, no, if she got a male judge, he probably would have given her seven D. Yeah, that's he'd, true. He'd, been, he'd have been scared to death of her. <laughs> Is get this lady and her knife out of town. Well, while we're on the subject, yeah, I didn't think what kind of knife. I no, don't know if it was I a know, butter I, knife. I, 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 oh goodness, no, she couldn't have been that cruel. I mean, she that holds that big ring, 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 ring. A plastic knife? No, no, no. He probably would have liked that. No, no, it would have had to have been something sharp. 
But could you imagine? You know? No. Waking up. And then throwing the garbage disposal. Now that seat, now, and did she turn on the water or not? Did it she, doesn't say. Does it, fl- did it just thunk around? <laughs> And the disposal, or well, Lorena Bobbitt just threw out in a field, didn't she? I don't know. I can't remember what she did with it. I think she tossed it in a field when she got done cutting it off. Yeah, well, because somebody went and got it. Yeah, and And I think it was reattached. I think so. I don't know how successfully, but then I don't think I want to. Uh -uh. Um, But yeah, and you know, now that I think about it, this is probably not the first time this has ever happened. Um, I know that women's breasts have been attacked by angry men. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I suppose anything that sticks out and the knife is there is going to get gonna it. It's going to get it. Yeah. And so, well, anyway, uh, moving right along, I, since we were talking about prison, cause she went yes. there, I found an interesting article in the, uh, the Daily Poop, as I call it. Oh, yes. Uh, the Victorville Daily Press. It was dated, uh, July 8th this year. And the headline reads, AB 999, which I uh, think is a, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, an issue number for voting, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, uh, or is it a code out of their... No, it's a bill. It's a bill. Number. Okay. Okay. AB 999, that's an interesting number, would put condoms in prison. I think they should. I think they should. Setting up a difficult conversation. Why did it set up a difficult conversation? One state lawmaker says it's time to give inmates a way to practice safe sex behind bars to reduce the infection rate that experts say is much higher than that of the general population. They're going to do it. Of course it's higher. It's all guys. Uh I mean, hello. And yeah, they are going to do it. And I agree with you. I think they, you they know, need to because they, it's going to happen regardless if they're in prison. It's not I, against, the, I or one, against the rules. I, for one, am thinking to the future when some of these men are released appropriately right. into the population and take with them whatever cooties they have happen. managed to garner in prison yes. and share them with the general population. And it's going to spread. And, and that's not a good thing. So the proposal from Oakland Democratic Assemblyman Rob Bonta comes despite a law prohibiting any sex between inmates, which creates a conflict that concerns both supporters and opponents of the legislation. Well, in the first place, I think, I'm sorry. But I think it's stupid to have a law prohibiting sex between inmates in prison. Because it's going to happen. There, it, first of all, you can't enforce it. So why no. have it in, in the first place? We have so many pieces of unenforceable legislation in our world today as it is. We don't need something that dumb right. to be part, you know, and... I mean, come on. They got so little going. Now, I grant you, there are lots and lots of guys in prison for good reasons, and I don't feel sorry for them. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying they don't have a lot to do as it is. No. So they can get a little now and then. Hey, what's the big deal? But. Let's then, do it safely. But, yeah, well, but see, then they've got the where, and then the when, and then the how, and then, and then they're going to have fights because one guy's bitch is going to be another guy's bitch and then that they, already happens well yeah you're right it does so they may as well have the protection well anyhow i mean just for the the standpoint of having a law against sex it's right. stupid bonta's uh proposal would require the california department of corrections and rehabilitation to make condoms available in five prisons by 2015 
and expand the program to each of the state's 33 adult prisons. Now, I'm not sure it should be limited to adults. No. No later than 2020. The bill, AB 999, passed the Assembly and is awaiting consideration in the state Senate. Well, I, for one, hope they do pass it. And, and I don't think it should take keep, that long to pass it. Well, you know, legislation oh, is yeah. slow. It's like, you know, fuck. Molasses. Oh, they can't, you know, the government can't do anything without 14 committees deciding whether it's appropriate and feasible and or not. And then they're going to bitch about how much it costs, which, in my opinion, is going to be cheaper than treating people with uh, STDs uh-huh. of one sort or another that they've gotten from one another, uh, you know, share and share alike. And that's exactly what they get for it. So, yes. yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in favor of that, uh, happening myself. I don't, uh, it's not saying it's okay to have it, but if you're going to do it, put a glove on. Well, I don't, I don't think, I, uh, let me think. Do I think it's okay for me to say whether it's okay or not? I don't think it's okay for me to say whether or not it's okay for somebody to have sex with somebody else. Um, I, cause I'm not the one, I think the ones who are having the sex, I think they're the ones who should say it's okay or not, Yes, but that's just me. Uh, and on top of it, I'm not, uh, in charge of a facility full of, uh, horny men. Right. Uh, either. So it's, I mean, look at the alternative. The alternative is to have higher uh, or lower, depending on which way you look at it, ratio of, of inmates to, uh, what do you call them, that run around and make sure the inmates are behaving themselves, mm. guards. Um, Correctional officers? Yeah, those. Or, uh, because, because somebody's gonna have to watch them. Yes. And tell them, no, 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 no. You know, so then what are they gonna do? They're gonna lay in the bed and play with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the laundry rates go up and, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. It sounds like a sticky situation. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say so. But uh, while we're on the subject of, of, uh, sort of on the subject of at least same sex. Okay. Same sex sex. I won't say gay sex necessarily because it's probably not in most cases. It's just a matter of I'm going to move my mic and it's going to make a noise and I'm really sorry. There. I have to resituate myself. We are in the living room, by the way. In Um, Apple Valley, California. Downtown Apple Valley in Lacey and David's living room having a heck of a time. Our, uh, her dog, Cody. Keeps is, bumping the mic. Is, yeah, he's walking back and forth. And that's okay. We'll let him. Because he's a good he's dog. He's just part of the family. Um, okay. <clears throat> Here's a subject that I think is mm, not really related, but it kind of could trail there. Okay. Uh, after the vote on gay youth, scouts face more turmoil. Uh. Mm-hmm. You know where this is coming from. Now, I don't know the date on this, but this also came out of the daily... Uh, Poop. Poop. And it's, uh, and actually it's an Associated Press article. Okay. The Boy Scouts of America will get no reprieve from controversy after a contentious vote to accept openly gay boys as scouts. Dismayed conservatives are already looking at alternative youth groups as they predict a mass exodus from the Boy Scouts of America. Gay rights supporters vowed Friday to maintain pressure on the scouts to end the still-in-place ban on gay adults serving as leaders. So what's the difference? They're not 
these people say they're not our on our good list yet, said Paul. I can't pronounce Paul's last name. It's spelled G-U-E-Q-U-I-E-R-R-E of the Human Rights Campaign, a national gay rights group. He said that the HRC Human Rights Campaign, in its annual rankings of corporate policies on workplace fairness, would deduct points from companies that donate to the Boy Scouts until the ban on gay adults is lifted. So they're using their what what uh, tools they have at their uh, at the ready to right. to help to support their position, and and I think that's good. It's it to me it's absurd to allow gay boys into the scouts but not gay boy leaders. scout leaders it makes no sense uh, the whole idea between having guys uh, and i think if i'm not miss i don't really know somebody can correct me and i'm sure you will um aren't all the boy scout leaders guys yes i know they, um, have, they have den mothers but i don't know as a den I'm mother is a sure. boy scout leader I I'm think, pretty sure all the I leaders guys. are guys. Well, actually, men or women doesn't matter. If they're gay, then wouldn't that be a um, a role model for the gay scout? Yeah, to look up to and 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 to associate with and maybe even talk to from time to time about his Issues, problems, right? And, and they can understand questions. better. Yeah, yeah. So, so to eliminate them from the the whole thing it seems to me to be quite absurd. I, I I really don't understand the thinking of the conservatives in that. And what issue. does your sexuality have to do with the Boy Scouts, anyways? Well, I don't know. I suppose they say, well, it's Boy Scouts, not Girly Scouts, or some stupid thing like yeah, that. Yeah, but that's it's like I was in the grocery store not long ago, and this guy in front of me was there with his wife and his two kids, who were boys. And the boys were, you know, little. So they were being boys, you know, right. running around, screwing around, grabbing this and that, looking at things. And they were looking in the, there's this like floral display. They okay. were selling little balloons and whatnot. And so I guess the daddy said, yeah, you can have a balloon. And they were odd shaped balloons, like letters and, and, um, uh, they weren't just round balloons. They were like, shapes. I don't know how to, anyhow, they were balloons. And so the one, the older boy, took one for himself, and then he handed one to the littler boy. And the daddy got all upset. Don't give him a pink balloon. Seriously, serious. See, that's what the problem starts is from the parents. And this guy looked to me to be um, maybe 30, maybe, probably not. It's a color. It's a what? It's a color. Well, yeah, I know it's a color. Doesn't mean uh, his that, kid's going to be a wuss because think, he has a pink balloon. Trust me, I get that, okay? But this guy didn't, you know? It was like, he I don't know what he... I really, uh, you know, and Ernie looked at me with that look like, shut don't your say it. mouth. Because I really wanted to say to him, excuse me, but what the fuck did you think is going to happen to right. him? Because he plays with a pink balloon. He's not going to become gay. And if he does... So what? So what? But I didn't, I didn't go there. I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to so bad. I wanted to smack him so bad and say, you're just perpetuating such an ugly it's myth. It's a freaking balloon. It's going to be popped before you even get home. And he's teaching his kids that 
you know, now they've got to be afraid of the color pink. Yeah. Now these little boys are going to go, Mommy, I can't wear a pink shirt. Uh-huh. People think I'm a girl. Uh-huh. You know, and they had their short hair, you know. Mm-hmm. I, my my youngest kid was, he was old enough to cry when we cut his curls. Oh. He was. He was old enough to, and it was really funny because I had a really good friend who was um uh Marine. And of course, you know, they had the yeah, short, short bus yes. top things, you know, and everything. But he, he almost cried as much as Bobby did when we cut his hair. It was so funny. Aww. He, he was like, Oh, the baby's getting his hair cut, you know? And I'm like, Yeah, well, it's time, you know? <laughs> I mean, after all, he is old enough to say haircut. So I think it's time. But anyhow, so, okay. So we've dealt with all that. <clears throat> now we've got. What do we got? We got stuff we've taken off of the oh, computer. Oh, what do we have here? All kinds of of nonsense. Funny facts? Funny facts. Let's go some oh, funny, okay. funny facts. I don't really see how this one's funny. Well. But 80% of 10-year-old girls in the U.S. go on a diet. Oh, I don't think that's funny at all. I no. think that's sad. Yeah. Uh, and, and probably an underrated figure. Yeah, yeah I would say so. If the truth be known. Um. But, you know, I have a feeling that it's mainly because they probably listen to an awful lot of television ads. Yeah, because the, the models yeah, that the, they look at in the magazines right. are super thin. And, unhealthy. and mom's probably always on a diet and yes. talking about it, you know, and who knows. You know, it's it's funny. The littlest things sometimes that you say to your kids are the ones that stick with them for a long time afterwards. Um, I can I can remember... Uh, comments about food and diet, right. not diet, because those words weren't used when I was a kid, but uh, foods and meals and so forth that uh, that could have been hurtful. Um, and I, I don't know. I think I think women, especially, we need to be real, real careful what we say to our daughters about. Yes, because I have a daughter, or our sons, for that matter. She's almost two years old, and she mocks. Yeah, she follows. Now I gotta say, my uh, daughter-in-law. Yes, I have two uh, granddaughters, as you know. One yes. of them is uh, twenty, and the other's fifteen, and um, they are. Beautiful girls, slim and trim and gorgeous and all like that. Yeah, mom is slim and trim too, but mom's had her weight issues in the right. past. And God knows my son does have, uh, has had because of me, you know, I'm, I'm not svelte, as they say. But, uh, the point I'm making is that when she was teaching the girls how to eat their meals, or, you know, she'd put like a, a meal before them, uh, and she, She'd just, you know, if they ate it, fine. If they didn't, fine. And the, and no, nobody said anything. Right. And I really appreciated that because I was raised by the clean your plate troops. No. My house, I have two kids. Yeah. I have an almost 12-year-old and an almost 2-year-old. Yeah. Their dinner gets put in front of them. Yeah. They eat what they want right. and how much. And if they want seconds, they're allowed to have seconds. Mm-hmm. But it's not clean your plate or you don't That's get. That's so good. That is so good. Don't ever do that to your kids. That's because that encouraging overeating. It does. It does. And it, and there's a whole guilt thing that goes on. It's like, uh, this old movie called I Remember Mama. Mm-hmm. In the movie, um, Mama 
and Papa give their oldest daughter a cup of coffee because she's grown up now. Okay. But she's all upset about something, and so she breaks into tears and can't really drink the coffee. And so she puts it down on the table and runs away in tears. And, and Papa gets up to throw the coffee away, and Mama goes, no, you drink it. We don't want to waste it. And I grew up with that right. mentality that, you know, and to me, I as an adult, I look at it, serious adult, I look at it and I go, what, how is it wasted whether I pour it down the sink or piss it out later? Right. What's the difference? It's not. It's, it, and in the meantime, I don't take in the calories. Now, this was coffee with cream and sugar, mostly right. cream and sugar, actually, not very much coffee. So there were calories involved. Right. But, you know, you get the same thing with clean your plate. You know, well, maybe I put too many mashed potatoes on the plate. Well, that's, see, now you shouldn't have done and that. And my son because has Because you're autism. wasting them. You're wasting the potatoes. You took too many and it's all bad. And, you know, I had this whole, this whole right. fucking litany about what to eat and My when. son has How? autism and he's very, he has sensory issues with food. Yes. So, like, if yes. I make tacos... He'll say, I'm allergic to them. Yeah, which but he means I don't like, want to eat them. I don't want to eat them, yeah. or he doesn't like the texture of certain foods. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I make a completely different meal for him. Which is appropriate, because and you want him to eat. Yes. Yeah. And, and, he is, and he's not being arbitrary. No. It's a different thing for a kid to say, I don't want that for dinner. I want something else. Right. As opposed to a person with autism saying, I'm allergic to that, which means right. I, can't, I can't, I can't go there. I can't do it. Yeah, I, I can't. And that's not the way he there. can, in his mind, he puts it into an appro- his words, an appropriate context. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you do that with him because I think it's it's going to teach him life lessons that he's going to need. We were talking about yes. uh, life lessons earlier for. Uh, individuals, uh, who have high fun or high functioning individuals with autism. And he is one. He yes. is high functioning and, and he will be very soon facing life, uh, on his own, so yes. to speak. And, and so this is one way he's going to, uh, not have to deal with all those. But we're trying to teach issues. him because everybody's going to think he's allergic to a hell of a lot of food. <laughs> so we're yeah, just I trying know. to tell I him, know. you know, I know. Um, just say I'm I, full I or, or I don't like it or I don't like it. it, it there's nothing wrong with not liking something. No, that's what um, I tell him. You're not going to hurt mama's feelings. Yeah. You know, again, that was another thing. You know, don't, don't not eat the chocolate cake. Your mother went to all that trouble to make it. Right. Well, who the fuck held a gun to her head? Right. Come on. So if, uh, to, you know, to get off of this subject and onto something a little more pleasant, uh, it, just let me ask you folks who are listening, who are in the position of dictating your eating habits to your children, please think and rethink your uh, motives and your communication skills when it comes to educating your children about eating. After all, food is supposed to be an enjoyable way to fuel our bodies. Right. And that's really all. And if you got a kid there who is stuffed and you're making them clean their plate. Yeah. That's inappropriate. They're going to eat the food because they don't want to hurt your feelings. And, and, and it shouldn't be about your feelings. Should not be a, you know, if you were dumb enough to make 16 pancakes for two kids, that's your problem, not theirs. So there you go. Okay. Onward and upward. Do you know that one third of the population can't snap their fingers? <laughs> I heard that and I tried it. And you know, I can't. You but... can't snap? That's you doing it. Yeah, okay. that's me. Here's me. I don't hear anything. I can't. I, I know. <laughs> this one is better. There. I can do okay. that one. But this one. Really? Not so much because I have 
what I suppose the doctor would say is an arthritic thumb. I don't know. It hurts. It hurts to put pressure on this. Remember I told you when at the gym, right? there's certain yeah. positions when, put... when I put my hand down, it hurts. If I put pressure on my thumb in certain positions, it actually hurts. And the pressure of... Would that be carpal tunnel? No, 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 no. It's just fucked up thumbs from being old. But, but this one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I can click my fingers left-handed. Oops. I can remember Almost. being a little girl and trying and trying and trying and trying and finally doing it. I remember learning how to whistle. Me too. For yeah. a long time. How old were you when you learned how to whistle? Oh, I would say maybe about four or five. Me too. Right around that age. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was so said, excited. I thought yeah. I was so smart. <laughs> like, All right. Life's a piece of cake. I can whistle. What else? Let's What's new? Mm, pardon me. I burped. That's not very professional, but <laughs> we're not very professional, so what can I do? I'm not sure about this one. Well, let me see here. And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18, but with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? 
then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazamon.com. Attila the Hun was, yeah. A Who dwarf, the hell's a that? Dwarf. Okay, Attila the Hun, okay. Yeah. He was a, a warrior in history, we'll put it that way. Uh, and I actually Googled that one because I wanted to see what that was based on. You know, because some of these uh, funny facts, you wonder what they're based on. You know, right. Where did they come up with this stuff? So I kind of investigated it. And in fact, he wasn't necessarily the... A technical definition of a dwarf because there is a an actual definition of the body size and structure that that constitutes dwarfism but he was not he was i think they said like five foot six or three or something like that's that. pretty good size well yeah for us but i think maybe compared to his armies okay not so much so he was like considered little Okay. So I think that was not necessarily a funny fact. Not 100% funny fact, sure who Betsy Ross is. You don't know who Betsy Ross no, is? No, I don't think so. Oh, goody. An maybe educational if opportunity. A, maybe if I've seen a picture of her. No, it wouldn't Did help. you know that she was um, born with fully formed set of teeth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? She could have chewed the flag instead of just sewing it. Betsy Ross oh, is the one. Oh, okay. The yes, okay, there American we go. Flag. Click. Hello. So, yeah. <clears throat> no, I didn't know she was born with a full set of teeth, but I do feel so sorry for her mother. Oh, yes. Ouch. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. The poor thing. How did she teach that kid to nurse and not bite at the same yeah. time? Because that's instinct for a baby is yeah, to bite I, down. I, I suspect Betsy got a lot of slaps in Because when Zoe infanthood. was a baby, yeah, the pacifier from the hospital was hollow. It oh. didn't have... The yeah. little handle. Yeah. So she used to grind it and we squeak. <gasps> oh, owie. Yeah. 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 No, you, uh, you definitely don't want that happening. So her mama must have, well, back then they didn't have nipple cream. No. No. <laughs> Ice pack. All they had was nipples. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Poor Betsy's mom. Maybe they set her to sewing right off the bat early on. Yeah. There was something else to do. I bet she got. I bet she got weaned early. I bet so I'm too. Telling you, I'm just guessing at that one, but I know I'd be. <laughs> I'd be, and I don't think they had baby. When was Betsy Ross born? I wonder. I don't know. Let me think. We'll Let me have think. To... Okay, now, now here we go. Now let's do our history. Uh, we didn't need a flag until the American Revolution, right? Right. That was in uh, 1776 or so. So Betsy had been born in uh, the early 1700s. I don't think they had baby bottles per se and nipples at that point in time. I don't think so. I don't know so. if they did or not. We should Google that. We'll and have find to check out. that out. Yeah, I don't know if they did or not. But if they did, I'm telling you, mom was happy. 
Oh, yeah. Mom was, and I don't know if she was an only child or not either. And did her siblings also come with a set of teeth? I don't know. Have you ever seen a baby's, uh, a skull? A baby's skull? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And have you seen it with the teeth set in? Oh, no, I don't believe so. You have your baby teeth up here in your top of your jaw? Kind of like a shark? Yeah. You know how sharks' teeth grow in all the time? Right. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that. Hmm. Oh, yeah, because the those are the, what do you call it, permanent teeth, and mm-hmm. then they the push out teeth. the baby teeth, and then bam. Yeah. 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 No, I never saw that. I never did. Did you know, and I'd like to, how, to know how they figured this one out. Okay. Frogs cannot swallow <laughs> without blinking. <laughs> Now, who had the time to sit there and study a frog? I would have been satisfied with frogs can't swallow. I didn't know there was more to it. Okay. Frogs can't swallow without blinking. How do you know a frog is swallowing? Right. I mean, do they sit and watch a frog? How do they know he's swallowing and not just going bloom? Yeah. Or whatever. Croaking. Croaking. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's called. I don't, uh, without swallowing and without blinking. And okay, I, I, please tell me a government agency didn't fund that study. I hope not. I hope not to, because I would be so upset to think that government money would spent, you know, they've spent a lot of money on, um, ecological, you know, studies right. up in Santa Cruz where I used to live. There was, there's this lizard up there that's like, I don't know, it lives in some 1,300 square foot area or some shit like that. And it's like the only place in the world this lizard grows. And it's a it's a very rare and protected species, right? Right. Government has spent a whole lot of money studying that. And... and a waste of money. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. Because who gives a shit of frogs swallow and blink? Yeah, I, I, I kind of don't care myself either. And our listeners probably don't give a shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's see. What else you got there that's funny? In Singapore. Yeah. It's oh. illegal to sell your own chewing gum. Yes. Ew. It's, it, no, it's illegal to sell or own chewing gum. Oh, so it's not already chewed then no, sold. No, oh, no, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, oh, no, okay. No. But there's a real good reason why it's illegal to sell or own chewing, chewing gum. gum in Singapore. And I know what the reason is. Why is that? Because it's illegal to discard it on the sidewalk. Ah. Singapore is one of the cleanest cities in the world. Okay. Literally. Okay. And one of the reasons it is, is because they don't let people spit anything on the ground. You don't litter. And in any way. Well, they littering, shouldn't litter. Littering, oh, well, shouldn't, and, and you're not allowed to because you're going to go to prison or a whole different right. ball of wax, okay? No, they're, they're quite serious about that. So there's <laughs> so, no gum stuck underneath the student's desk in oh, high school. Oh, <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No, they're, they're really anal about keeping their city clean. I mean, seriously anal about it. Yeah. And I don't know how long it's been going on, but I do know it's been a long, long time. Wow. And now they can claim to be the cleanest city in the world because, and you can't buy gum anywhere in, in Singapore. I would imagine if you like go through customs, if you go into Singapore through right. customs, I bet you a nickel, you got gum on you. They confiscate that. Yeah. Shit. What is that? Like when you, they probably bootleg bubble gum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they pro- probably black market it. Yeah. I- Talking about bootlegging. Yeah. Well, this Heineken beer. 
I've never had it before. Do you know it's uh, designed to foam exactly five minutes? <laughs> really? Yeah. I've had Heineken before. It reminds me of a place we went to in uh, Georgia. <laughs> no, no, wait a minute. Was it Georgia? Yeah, it was Georgia. Our district manager, when we were working for KOA, okay. came to visit one time. We took him out and went someplace for a beer, right? And dinner probably too. But, you know, we had a beer. Drinks and eats. We ordered a, uh, a beers. And, and we waiting and we waiting and we waiting. And finally, we said uh, to the waitress, you know, where's our beer? Oh, they're foaming down. She said. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they're foaming down. And, and that's what, you know, she was waiting for the beer to foam down so she could put a little more in the glass. So you couldn't argue with that. So what, I mean, know. I don't understand what's the five minute foam. Well, roll. I don't either. I don't get, I don't get why. Does it enhance the flavor? I don't know unless they're talking about just draft beer okay so you can put more beer in the glass but five minutes is still a long time to wait for beer to foam yeah. down so you can put more in the glass before you take it to the guy that's drinking it i don't know we uh, that bears googling i think yes we'll I, have to check I, into that one I, first first i think we should get a heineken and try it and ourselves time it. okay and, and 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 then and then under what circumstances because i don't know if you know this or not but beer foams differently depending on how it's poured and yeah, from what and like, into what and at what temperature it is when right. it's poured so there's you like get a your whole, whole glass out of the freezer and you pour it tilted there. it doesn't foam as right, much right exactly and if the if the beer's warm it might foam more yeah. or less i don't know so there's a whole thing there we'll about have to check into beer, foam. beer foam can you imagine hi honey how was your day oh jesus it was awful i couldn't get the beer to foam at the right time <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what kind of a job is that? A sucky one. What kind? What kind? What kind of a guy? What What would a living with a man like that be like? Boring and irritating. Oh yes. I mean, I if he's worried about the beer foaming, what else is he timing? Oh yeah, we don't. Excuse me, honey, know. but you just took a little too long for that orgasm. Uh-huh. Could you back off just a bit? Now you're in trouble. Oh, dear me. Pearls. Yes. We like jewelry. You're getting me into making jewelry. Yes. Do you know they melt in vinegar? No. Yeah, that's what it says. Damn. I'm not wearing pearls to dinner anymore. What if I spilled salad dressing on my pearls? Would they melt? I don't know. Well, I could always put a... A bib on? Bib. (laughs) (laughs) Or take my pearls off and stick them in my pocket because I do tend to dribble. Now and then. Now I wonder if those are man-made pearls or just saltwater pearls or... You mean like culture pearls versus not? I No, I think they're probably talking... See, because pearls are made up of, uh, you know, they put the seed in the little hoo-hoo in the in the mollusk. In the the mollusk, (laughs) you know. And then uh, the mollusk doesn't care for that. You know, it's kind of like a rock in your shoe. And so he secretes this stuff that uh, becomes what they call nacre. Okay. And it surrounds the seed and and makes it smooth and... Shiny. Well, I don't think sh- the oyster cares about shiny, but he likes smooth <gasps> because then it doesn't hurt right. so much. I mean, imagine a pointy rock in your shoe versus yeah. a round rock. I mean, rocks suck in your shoe, but if you had to have a rock in your shoe, you'd rather have a smooth one than, well, a, yes. ra- than a pointy one. Uh, and so the mollusk feels that way too, apparently. And so they, they do this thing and then, uh, and, and that's with a cultured pearl. Now, an actual naturally occurring pearl right. 
as I understand it, occurs from like a, a piece of sand or a shell or a debris of some sort finding its way inside the oyster's shell and creating the same sort of problem. Okay. And because I'm a, a JTV junkie, right. I have learned that um, there's there are certain cultured pearl experts who have managed to create pearls that are like what they say is 99.9% nacre. Oh. Which is kind of cool. I mean, it's like eensy beensy little seed. Right. And then the whole rest is the, is the good part. Wow. Be- and this is good because when you, when you get a pair of, or a piece of pearl, piece of pearl, when you get a pearl, okay, and you wear it, uh, if it's got a thin layer of nacre, that's going to wear off. And then you're going to have a dull spot in your pearl. Right. And you can't buff it up. No. And, because it's gone. It's like enamel on your teeth. Right. You know, that reminds me, there's a stupid ad on com- on the commercials right now for a toothpaste. I don't even remember what kind it is. And it says, you do realize that once your enamel is gone, it's gone and you can't grow it back. So use so-and-so toothpaste because it oh, the nurtures sensitive. the enamel on your teeth. And I'm like, what? Uh-huh. Okay, if I can't grow it back, what the fuck is nurturing it about? Come on. That one that they say that they're going to fill in the holes? I suppose. I don't know. Anyhow, back to, the pearl, back to the pearls. Uh, so if the nacre rubs off and then you're down to the seed, so to speak, then that's an ugly situation. So you want lots and lots of nacre in your pearl. Right. And apparently that's pervious, as it were, to vinegar. Which is kind of sad. Like I said, if I'm eating dinner with pearls and I'm having um, oil and vinegar dressing on my salad and I spill some on my pearls. I don't know if they mean just straight vinegar. Because you got the oils and everything else in there with your dressing. Yeah, help to buff it a little bit. So maybe it wouldn't. But I I guess one wouldn't want to go soaking their pearls in vinegar. I wonder if that's how they found out. Some dim bulb probably went, I gotta clean my pearls. I think I'll suck them in vinegar. Well, vinegar is a very good. Vinegar is good for everything. It cleans everything. By God, I'll soak my pearls. Oh, this is disgusting. What? Some ribbon worms will eat themselves if they can't find any (laughs) food. (laughs) Really? Oh my God. That's gross. Oh my God. What if a, a, what is a ribbon worm? I suppose a worm that's shaped like a ribbon. Long and thin. And flat. And what? Uh, Where are ribbon worms uh, found? That's my next question. Is that like a tapeworm? I don't know. And if it is, I don't... We'll uh, have to Google that one and come back to that yeah, one. because maybe. Yeah, are they in our stomachs or the dog's stomachs? I don't or? care well, whose stomach they're in as long as it's not mine. Right. And, uh, and they must have, they must have isolated them some way and then just watched. Didn't feed them and see what they would do? Yeah, watched them to see what would happen and they, and, uh-huh, wonder how far, far they go before they go, oops, you know, munchy, Ouch. munchy go away. <laughs> you know, I mean, do they get as far as their mouth before they realize they've run out of, <laughs> run out of snacks? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't really care too much for the scent. Among older men, vanilla is the most erotic smell. Vanilla? Vanilla. Oh, well, that's why old men like cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Here, little girl, you want a cookie? Um, yeah, well, okay, I suppose, you know. <laughs> like vanilla scent candles, People's I don't care too change. much for them. 
people's tastes change. Yes, they does. You know what did what did they think was an erotic smell before they became old? I wonder. I don't know. That's interesting. Erotic. Yeah. You mean they get Chicka a hard on wow. from smelling vanilla? <laughs> okay, the next time I go to Bath and Body Works, I'm going to be watching out for old men. Uh-huh. I'm serious because <laughs> they're going to be in the vanilla they're aisle. Be in the vanilla <laughs> aisle, going, oh baby, oh baby, oh baby, and sniffing away. I don't. Uh, hmm. Now I'm going to be paranoid because I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to be in the baking aisle. And I'm going to be in the spices and, and just go extra, down the aisle when there's no old men down extracts. there if there's a man in there i'm leaving i'm totally leaving let's see all clams start out as males some decide to become females ah, clever of them uh-huh. yes, very clever. at some point in their lives yes smart old clams see, even the clams know it's better to be a female <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was sexist. Oh, I'm sorry. But true. No, but yes, Another very much ha- so. I mean, if they start out as males, they have to. Somebody's got to switch. Uh-huh. Somebody has to be the female. Yes. Isn't that kind of what, what gay couples sometimes say? <laughs> somebody, I think so. Somebody has somebody's to be the girl. Somebody's got to the clams started it all. Who knows? I don't there know. you go. I don't know either. Well, anyway. Hmm. That is interesting. Now, okay, again, what are they based on? How many clams, how many clams do you have to look at before you decide that all clams are born male? I don't know. That'd be an awful lot of clams to be studying. I mean, just in the best interests of scientific investigation, okay? Right. We all know science is supposed to be pure and and not uh, contaminated by outside influences and things like that. Right. And and so, you know, to be really objective and 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 fair to the clam population, and let's not forget there are multiple types of clams. Oh, yes. Species of clams. Yes. Probably hundreds, if not thousands, of yeah. species of clams. Are all species of clams born male? And it how doesn't do they know? say. And how do they know? You see, it's like my brother always says, paper holds still. You can print anything oh, on yes. it you want. So, and the same thing is true of the internet. Yes. We don't, you know, it's like that commercial. That commercial. Yeah. How do you know it's true? Well, I ran it on the, the internet. internet. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Well, speaking of things we read on the internet, <clears throat> I came across, <laughs> well, actually you did, you turned me on to this, uh, but I printed it out unbeknownst to you. Um. How long do we know how long, how do we know, know how long we've gone? This is our we'll first, pod. this is our first podcast, uh, without David, by the way. Yes. David's in the other room pretending not to listen to us. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, we're going to call him out here really quick. We're going to call him Yay. out and ask him, how do we know when we're done? <laughs> because we're looking at the computer screen here and it just keeps going with my voice. Like, and going. Uh, it looks like one of those, um, it looks like a seismograph, doesn't it? How do we know when we're done? I forgot to pay any attention to what time it was when we started. How do we know when the hour is up? Because we're having lots of earthquakes right now. Uh, well, no, that. Okay, where's the thing that tells me that? How do I know? Can you see it, Lacey? Yes, 52. Okay, okay so when it says 60, we're done? 
So we only got a few more minutes? Yeah, unless you have more to say. You know, if if you... If there was pauses or if there was time for you to, you had to look through papers. You gotta we've been pretty oh, we've steady. Been, we've been. You can cut all this out. Very yeah. good. We've been very professional. Like we know what we're doing. Okay, <laughs> so just add ten more minutes to that. Okay. 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 So, okay. All right. So here's some stuff that okay. you told me about, and you turned me onto the website, and and I downloaded it. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, and I call this stuff up inside or more reasons to carry a purse. Ah, I remember this one. Yes, these are things that ladies, <clears throat> and I may be using that <laughs> term ill-advisedly, but ladies have been known to stuff up their... Hoo-ha! Their womanhood. Oh, their, their vaginas. Vaginas. They're for JJs. Call, call a spade a spade. They stuffed it right up in there. Ladies, ladies, uh, ladies. Yes, and this is from uh, reports in the emergency rooms of various uh, places. Uh, one doctor, Barton, says the oddest thing she ever saw, pun intended, was a woman who had placed a prosthetic eyeball. What? In her vagina. Talking about a third eye. That she saw <laughs> for safekeeping. Now, I want, <laughs> that just suggests so many questions oh, right yes. off the bat. Oh, yes. Who was trying to get it? Why couldn't she just leave it in her eye socket? Uh-huh. Was she afraid? Was she, what was she doing that she was afraid it was going to pop out? I mean, and of I've all heard, places to put it. I've heard of people having such great sex that their eyes popped, but come well, on. yeah, come on. I think that's pushing it a little. <laughs> Pun intended. Right. So, um, uh, the question was, why did she do it? Let's see. Uh, she was preparing to have a fight with oh. her neighbors and she told the doctor that glass eyes are pretty expensive and well, hard yeah, to replace. I, can, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. And so, uh, she says, I believe this earns her the name Agina. 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 Ah, ha, 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 ha. Okay, that's one thing. There are more oh, objects. <clears throat> of all the inconceivable phallic objects a desperately homey person could, <laughs> oh, excuse me, a desperately horny person <laughs> Could shove up their vagina a rolled up Donny Osmond poster. Whoa, I wonder if it was face up or face down. Ouch. <laughs> Paper cut. I, I hope it, I hope it got soggy before. Um, maybe she had the Vaseline. I don't know. Did she uh, put a condom on it to I make don't... it go up there easier? Because that's talking about paper cut. I don't know how tightly she had to roll it either. Let's see <laughs> if it says it's a rolled up Donny Osmond poster. Well, uh, is not the first thing that comes to mind. I give you that. Auk women, A U K woman, not women, woman. Oh, a <laughs> hello, a U K woman. Okay, as in a Brit, <clears throat> featured on the BBC Three show called Bizarre ER. <laughs> I like that. Did just that. Doctors discovered a rolled up poster of Donnie. <laughs> Osman shoved inside her vagina. So did she go to the hospital to have her removed, or was she in there for something else and they found it? This this person saying this said, I have many questions about this. I do, too. Uh-huh. Firstly, did she forget she put it in there? 
How are could we you forget? Talking, are we talking a life-size poster? Oh, ouch. Uh, or one of those Tiger Beat tear sheets. Yeah, but still, uh, I mean, both of them. Need more details. So, yeah, I, I, well, I don't know as I need more details, but I would be curious in a way to... Did it satisfy maybe, her? Well, may, you know, maybe <laughs> it did. Maybe that's why. Maybe she's got a thing for Donnie. Oh, yeah. And, uh, ooh, here's a nasty oh, one. Oh, what's that? Are your legs crossed? Okay, here we go. Two Uh-oh. Florida women got into a drug-fueled fight over, oh, some, where's this going? over some prescription pills. Once arrested, police found one had a knife and a bottle of prescription pills hidden in her belly fat roll. Wait, there's more. That's dangerous. Although a cavity search revealed a second knife hidden in her vagina. You can scream now. Oh, yay, yay. Gee, you'd, you'd have to be real, real, real careful. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, man. And it doesn't say why. Okay, now here's one. I We probably I, wouldn't want to know I, why. I see a package of rice in this lady's future. Oh. The only thing about stealing a cell phone and hiding it in your vagina Uh-oh. is that when it rings, other people are going to hear it. <laughs> it's going to be a little distorted. Can you just see that in the emergency? Bring, bring, you know, where's that coming from? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a phone. Let's see. That's what happened to, I can't pronounce this name, um, a well, Romanian woman. It's a Romanian name. I'm sorry, but I'm not up on Romanian names. The looks phones like, vibrate, like so me. I see where she's going with it. Oh, maybe that's what she did. Put it on vibrate to start with. Hmm. Call me again. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Roxandra Guardian, it looks like, is her name. A Romanian woman whose vagina rang. <laughs> Not vibrate, rang. Once authorities discerned where the ringing She's, was coming from. She forgot from, to switch the ringer on to vibrate. The owner declined to take it back. Oh, it wasn't even her phone. That was a good call. Ha, ha, ha. No, but see, the thing is, she could have taken it back and then you put it. A cell phone. I have heard. Beans that got wet. When a cell phone gets wet, you stick it and in rice. a box of rice for a, a overnight undetermined period of time. And the rice is supposed to absorb the, the battery, and then yeah. you're all happy again. And there's actually a, 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 a network TV show right now where a guy's uh, trying to talk to his mom. Yeah, on the he phone dropped it in the toilet, and it's, and it's in a box. Then his friend asked, yeah. "Did he wash it off?" So I don't know whether that's really true. I think it is true, actually, because I've heard that so many. But it could be an urban legend too. You know, you yeah. hear urban myth. I mean, you hear those so many times that pretty soon you start thinking they're really true, and then right. you don't really know. So okay, here's another one. Okay, another Florida woman. Florida women may have more time on their hands than they should. It's also a lot hotter out there, too. Well, that could be it. Maybe they go crazy. Anyhow, another Florida woman, another strange object hidden in a vagina. Anne-Marie Hernandez made a sizable home deposit haul with a fraudulent card, credit card. When she was done with her shopping spree, she loaded the goods into her car and the credit card into her vagina. Oh, and can you put it in your back pocket? Vaginas make awful wallets. Yes, they're a little wet and soggy and now, hard to get to at was times. She in the car or out of the car? Oh, I don't know. 
I got stuck in my car one time on uh, the pass, Cajon okay. Pass, in a snowstorm. Well, it wasn't snowing where I was, but it was snowing in the pass. Right. And you know how that is. In California, if it's snowing 50 miles away from you, they hold oh, you yeah, there because they know you can't down. drive in the snow, so they're not going to let you get within 50 miles of and it. And our so, snow is flurries. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and, uh, you know, I'd had my evening coffee, of course. And, you know, the one thing led to another. And uh, I had to go to the bathroom to answer the call of nature and uh, that would have been okay i have no i was raised finding a bush to pee under i I got no problem with that the only problem with it was that i wasn't alone being detained on the freeway i was surrounded by everybody else in the same position some of us were men and some of us were ladies and some of us who are ladies can't pee standing up like the men no It's, it's one of god's little Sick but jokes. although I seen a little cup, well, I you know I tried to invent a thing one time when Ernie and I used to go camping a uh-huh. lot, and it used to piss me off that he could pee in the right. bushes and I couldn't. So I said I need a funnel. There is one now. And I know, I know, it kills me because I could have invented it, but I got I actually bought one. You know, it was this long ass funnel that you use uh-huh. for uh, automotive stuff for oil or. But the whatnot. problem was you still had to pull your fucking pants down, uh-huh. so it didn't do any good. Yeah, this so, one's a little hello. cup. That you just stick in your underwear, yeah, and it's got a little right. spout. Well, <laughs> anyhow, what I did, I wound up just, uh, I took the uh, cup off my thermos. Okay. And uh, with great effort of maneuvering, not to mention including covering myself with my jacket. So yeah, for nobody sees your board, ass shining well, up in the... The thing is, the board men who were waiting for the snow to clear were walking up and down having a cigarette um, talking to which one you know and i'm sitting there trying to look like i'm not really here sitting <laughs> you know and so it's a little harder for us women to be I, discreet about yeah, no kidding but i actually managed plus we have the advantage over men we can cut it off midstream uh-huh. so i actually could fill i and i did i really had to go oh, i filled up the cup I rolled down the window. I very discreetly poured it down the side of my car. So then I you're seeing the this yellow spot in the again. snow. No, no, it wasn't in the snow. We were 50 miles from the snow. <laughs> right, right. And then I filled up the cup again. And uh, then I was so greatly relieved that I could just sit there and enjoy my waiting for the snow to clear. So, But the, the, we got on to all that because of how and where did this woman stick this card right. up her at uh, the parking lot was she that's in the little... car it's not easy i mean unless she's really really skinny see i've never been plagued with that problem i've never been really really skinny no. so some people can pretzel themselves very nicely yeah. and but more even power at that okay we're thinking a credit card a hard piece of plastic Ouch. yes with corners yeah well even rounded but i mean but still, still slicing would sitting happen. down slicing would happen yeah wow. very uncomfortable unless she had a really big place to put it and even (laughs) even then i'm thinking that you know uh, logistics i've all i my mind always goes to logistics i i i'm blessed or cursed with that um okay here's the last one of these okay um uh arlena romero also had a stolen credit card on her person when cops caught her leaving a flop house Instead of hiding the credit card in her vagina, like Miss Hernandez oh. previously noted, uh, she put it in her pocket. Good okay. Mo- good move, Arlena. But this story doesn't end well. There oh. was something hidden in her vagina. A what was crack it? 
I oh. talk about appropriately named item. Yeah, because you're gonna crack get, exactly. Gonna get that thing up there and and usually crack uh, pipes, from my understanding, are thin glass. Yeah, yeah. Plus, they show a picture of this thing, and it looks oddly like it's very phallic. It, penis shaped. It is penis shaped, and it even has a couple of bulges at the bottom. That I swear it looks like a total dick with balls. Just, <laughs> it does. Well, anyway, maybe ladies, she was deeply confused, uh, ladies. The whole the whole exercise uh, was designed to teach you uh, appropriate storage, carry a purse, um, and don't think just because you stick it in your vagina, it's not going to get found. Oh, it's going to get found because because if the cops don't find it, your doctor's going to have to. Because uh-huh. sometimes some of us have. Uh, a long road there from uh-huh. point A to point B, and things can actually get lost up in there. Yeah, they could. You know, I've heard of people losing vegetables of various Ooh. types. Yeah, cucumbers. Cucumber. Hot dog. Cucumber. Hot dog, a cucumber, any other uh, Round. similarly shaped yeah. object. Not only women. But, but men, too. Yes, 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 yes. Ballpoint pens. For men, uh, flashlight. I heard flashlight. before. Yeah, batteries. Don't if you know, don't do batteries because you know battery acid. Hello, nasty stuff, and it'll hurt you really. Re- you think you think you're hot to trot now? <laughs> Let me tell you, honey. You put a battery up your hoo-hoo, you're gonna really be hot to trot. Uh-huh. It's gonna hurt. Uh, have we come to the time thing yet? Yes. Um, are we, are we time to? Yeah. Okay. Well, you have to forgive us because see our, the guy that's usually here, David, telling me, okay, it's time to stop talking now isn't here. And so we had to call him in to tell us when it was going to be. And so now we think it is. So you've managed to stay with us through this podcast. So we guess that means you thought it was a good idea. Yay. If you liked us or hated us or just want to hear your name mentioned on future podcasts, Drop us an email at don't get us started at jazomon.com. That's don't get us started at j-a-y-z-o-m-o-n.com. We promise to read and answer your email, good, yes. bad, or indifferent on our podcast. And remember, if you don't want to listen to a couple of women laughing their asses off at dumb stuff, then don't, don't get, get us started. started. That's all for tonight. Bye-bye. Bye. Too much glee was involved in the talk of castration. Yeah, I'm still not a fan of it. No. I wasn't to begin with, and I am not jumping on that bandwagon. Oh, <laughs> sir. That is a pass. <sighs> Let's get away from that show. <laughs> Last show for our show. With topics. Last show for our show. <laughs> with topics about topics. <laughs> is Sheer Darkness number one. Be welcome to the darkness. In this Do your scary laugh like you want. (laughs) Do your scary laugh like you want. That was my scary laugh. It wasn't that scary then. (laughs) No. That'll do it. Nah. Okay. In this first episode, Terry and Dave get together to talk about writing, the business, life, and what does the future behold? Nobody knows the future. Unless you go to the future. I thought it was back to the future. You can't go back unless you've been there. That's what it says. Right. Okay, then all those three beloved movies are all dirty, dirty lies. They're wrong. Yep. Burn your copies, kids. That's right.
Yep. Not allowed to watch them anymore. No. Nope. Your your dark brown cosplay. Get rid of it. Dun. Every DeLorean needs to be shredded. Mm-hmm. Even mine. Yeah. No. Yes. No. Yes. <sighs> Unless you have yours painted up like an A-wing. Sort of is actually. No. <laughs> I'm keeping the flux capacitor. No, you're not. You can't. I can. No, it was all dirty, dirty light. No, Get rid of it. But I can take Hit the flux. Cap- oh, fine. Greetings, everyone. I am Terry D. Shearer, and I am David K. Montoya, and I bid ye all welcome to Shearer Darkness. I've been trying to get Terry together for a while now. It's been quite a long time. I don't even remember how long it's been since we've actually sat down face-to-face and spoke. Uh, But I I wanted to get together and have an opportunity to sit and talk with Terry and and pick his brain. And because this is going to be the first episode of hopefully many more to come, uh, we're going to do kind of a QA and a question. And I went through and, and tried to pick the best questions for the very first episode. Well, thanks, Dave, for having me over. I guess it's been about three years since we actually got to sit down and, uh, you know, just shoot the shit and discuss our world domination plans. So it's, it's good to sit down, down with you again here. And I, uh, I hope that, uh, everyone out there in the world, uh, gets some, meager amount of pleasure out of this so all right let's go ahead and get started okay sounds good to me okay let's go ahead and open with the first question first question question number one is who are you and what do you currently do who are you dude man that's a that's a deep question for me um when i was when i was a young child i read lewis carroll Alice in Wonderland, actually. In fact, that was like my favorite book. And one of the things that I really found interesting, aside from the the Cheshire Cat, which was pretty cool, uh, was Alice's meeting with the the caterpillar, the hookah-smoking caterpillar. And the the one, one thing that really got to me was when he asked her, who are you? And that was a very strange question. Even as a child, I thought that was a strange question. And uh, in the seventies, back in the seventies, I, I literally found a uh, pewter belt buckle. Can't remember where it was, but I think it was in an old car I bought. But anyway. This Peter Belt buckle had the, the scene from, from Alice in Wonderland when she was meeting with the caterpillar, and it, it says right there on the belt buckle on a little, you know, bubble over his head balloon, Who are you? And I uh <clears throat> I think the reason that the the question bothers me so much is that I'm not I'm not real sure who I am. Uh I've always been kind of on the edge or on the fringe of of society. I've, I've never actually felt like I, I fit in uh, with things the way other people seem to do. So decision about who I am has, has never really coalesced. And I can't really, even to this day, decide who I am. Aside from the fact that at, at, at this point, I imagine, I don't even know what your 
what you meant by that question, but I, I imagine you meant what who I am now in my my old age and my uh, my feebleness. <clears throat> I suppose that I'm a writer. I've I've been a writer for most of my life, even though I uh, never was recognized as a writer until until a, a dozen years or so ago. But, uh, I mean, you know, aside from being a, a husband and a father of two kids and a grandfather of three and a great-grandfather at this point, uh, so I guess, uh, I guess I'm a writer, retired from my, uh, many jobs, but I spent over 20 years working in the medical field, and what I do is, at this point, as a retired person, is write when I can. Um, I uh, was writing rather frequently for the first uh, eight or ten years after I, I uh, became published. Past couple of years, I, I haven't really accomplished that all that much, in, you know, in my own for my own writing. But uh, I guess that's what I am, and I guess that's what I do. I don't really have the mental energy or the physical energy to do much else at this point. I actually didn't think you were going to go that deep with it, but yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, I, I've known you for ten years, and you, you've always been a very deep person to me. First and foremost, before anything, you, you're my friend. But then, of course, I've always seen you as a writer and a business colleague, and you know, somewhat of a mentor as well. So, how long do you think you've been writing? I mean, I, I know it's been a long while, but how long have you been writing? And who who taught you how to write? Now that I'm thinking about it, because you've you've talked about influence and whatnot, but you've actually never said who taught you how to write. Okay, now you ask me how long. Have I been a writer? Well, um, if you count the first story I wrote when I was about 11 years old for a school project, I guess I've been, or at least wanting to be a writer ever since then. Uh, I wrote off and on for a number of years, but life kind of got in the way. You know, I got married, and I had, a, had some children, and had to go to work, support everybody. So, you know, in my spare time, I would I would try to write out a story here and there, and I would send it off to uh, some magazine or other. And, um, apparently, I, I wasn't writing very well initially, at least not well enough to be published, and I have a whole collection of rejection notices going back 40 or 50 years. Well, not 50 years, but at least 40 years. Um, proving that I wasn't a very good writer. <coughs> Excuse me for uh, for quite a while. Um, taught me to write. Taught me to write. Taught me to write. Um, I guess I would have to say that a number of different authors taught me to write, and and I got most of my writing education by reading and practicing and experimenting and learning from my mistakes, from my many mistakes, apparently. 
but uh, <clears throat> I was uh, an early reader. I, I read all the time, or as much as I could. Uh, and uh, a lot of the authors that I, I read as a young person certainly got my writing juices flowing. Aside from Lewis Carroll, I was a big Edgar Allan Poe fan, um, even as a youngster. But <clears throat> I also read, and you know, excuse me for having to clear my throat so frequently. <clears throat> excuse me again. I'm just I'm getting over uh, about a bronchitis, so I'm still having a little bit of trouble talking. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, a lot of the authors I read in the 50s and 60s were, you know, mostly science fiction writers. Fantasy wasn't a uh, major genre at that time, but uh, Isaac Asimov uh, loved his Foundation series. I must have read that, those three books, you know, five or six times. Fritz Lieber did do, did write fantasy. I, I really enjoy doing his work, and I still do. Robert Heinlein was just amazing during that time. Philip K. Dick, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, amazing writer. Those guys uh, basically taught me how to form dialogue, how to build characters, um, and world building for that matter. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, most of the writers I read for the first 20 or so years of my life uh, charged me up and. Uh, helped me get to where I thought I wanted to be, but I, I did take writing classes in high school and in college. Uh, they didn't actually do as much for me as I wanted, as I wanted to know. And I kept reading. At, at one point, <clears throat> just before I, I, I finally sold my, my first story, I uh, went out and I, I purchased every single best of science fiction, best of horror, best of fantasy books I could get um, to find out what, what editors really seem to want. And uh, I read through these great big thick books and... For the most part, uh, I couldn't even finish the stories because they were, or at least, you know, in my humble opinion, they seemed to be so poorly written. They didn't keep my interest. Uh, the characters didn't stand out. They didn't seem to be characters that you really cared about. Um, and it just seemed to me that the editors were uh, publishing shit. And at that time, I was reading a lot of Terry Pratchett, who was also a big influence on me. In fact, I pretty much credit Terry Pratchett for uh, helping me to uh, sell my first story, because uh, I figured that if editors were just buying shit, then I'd write shit for them. And I don't mean that in a uh, vulgar sense, but... My first story, The Dragon Hunters, uh, was basically about a story about dragon feces. 
and how they were magical and never mind. But uh, yeah, Terry Pratchett and uh, authors basically taught me what I really did need to know to uh, become a good writer. Um, I did. I also took a Reader's Digest. I'm sorry, God, that was bad. Writer's Digest, Writer's Digest uh, workshop, and I was actually taking that course when I sold my first story back in uh, 2000. So um, that was a little bit helpful. But for the most part, I taught myself to write um, by reading really good authors. I think Dragon Hunters was actually one of the first things that I've read. Um, I remember Band of Bold was up there too. It might have been like the first or second thing I've read. But I, I definitely remember Dragon Hunters. Uh, you know, it, it just, I loved the story. I loved how pretty essentially shit was the main focus of the entire story. So, with you being a writer, then you made the progression into being an editor. Um, so, at that point, what made you decide to become an editor? Well, I'm not really sure I, I decided on my own to become an editor. I, I believe that could, I think it was uh, 2004, maybe, that uh, you came up to me and asked if I wanted to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Edit the World of Myth. Uh, that, that was the magazine you were publishing then. And uh, uh, you were familiar with some of my work and, and wanted to know if I would like to edit your magazine. And I, I believe I said no. Actually, you said no on three separate occasions. But uh, you, you know, kind of kept at me about it. And eventually I decided that... Uh, you know, I'm, I, I guess I could do that, especially when you told me I'd have pretty much free reign and would be able to do whatever I felt was necessary to get the magazine uh, uh, more, more readers and more contributors. And, and uh, actually kind of enjoyed that because I was able to work with um, a lot of unknown authors, people that were, you know, just basically breaking into the, the field. <clears throat> And uh, I enjoy working with, uh, you know, new authors. So, I, if I remember correctly, I, I think that several, if not more, of the, the people who originally contributed to the magazine back in 2004, 2005, have gone on to become, you know, published authors in their own right with novels and uh, other short stories and things like that. So... Uh, it was a it was an interesting job very frustrating for the most part but uh, it was interesting so I, I think that was uh, how I decided to become an editor it was pretty much your fault I will be happy to say that it would be my fault that you became an editor uh, you, you were a great fantastic editor and I know I don't stand alone when I say that you were a fantastic editor, not only for the world of myth and not for Herotica, but anything that you've put your hands on, you were a great editor with. Um, but continuing to, to look into more of your past, 
Uh, do you remember exactly what was your first professional job? Whether it be, no, let's make it both. Uh, your first professional job as a writer and your first pr professional job as an editor. Let's go with that. Uh, so what was it? Oh, well, geez. My first job as a writer, <clears throat> if, you, if you consider the fact that a job means you get paid, uh, then, uh, you know, my first uh, published story would be you know, the first job I had as a writer because I actually got paid for that first story. Um, I had been writing articles for newsletters and things. Uh, I put out my own uh, couple of newsletters for a couple of years. So, I mean, uh, I was... I considered myself to be a writer at that point, but I wasn't published, so um, many people feel that if you're if you haven't been published, and many people feel that if you haven't been paid to be published, then you're not uh, a full writer. I don't feel that way, because I, I know too many people who have written a lot of good stories, but have never actually been paid for them. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, my first job as a writer would have been um, in 2000, you know, the story, The Dragon Hunters, that was printed in uh, February of 2001 in Dragon Lab magazine. So that was probably my uh, first paying job as a writer. Um, as an editor, that's a little that's a little more difficult to pin down because... You know, working on the world of myth, I, I didn't get paid for that. I guess I started getting paid to be an editor after I became the editor of uh, <clears throat> MythWorks, and and we started publishing books. And I would edit the books, and um, I would get paid a pittance for that. But uh, yeah, there was a little bit of payment there, so I guess you could consider that a job. So. Uh, there you go. Uh, pain, jobs as writers and editors. <laughs> I actually knew you were going to bring up that you did the world of myth for free. I, I remember thinking back previous issues. You know, you used to go on your stance about how <laughs> how it used to be. You do all this work for free. Those were good times. Those were really good times. Um, you know, obviously, I, I would have preferred to, to pay you a king's ransom for your work, because that's what it deserved, but unfortunately, we never achieved to that level. You know, I mean, we, we did good, but, uh, you know, I, I wish I could have paid you, you know, what Stephen King's editor makes. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I've said this before, you know, without you the world of myth would have not taken off because it was your vision of the way you wanted to construct the magazine. You know, I, I had a, a, an original vision that obviously didn't work because that's why I came to seek you out. And, um, you know, you, you just took things. You, you, took, you knew what needed to be implemented and employed to, to find success on the web, you know, um, it, it had been, what, you, you did it for three years, I believe? And 
by that time, you know, by the time you left out, it was, it was doing really, really well. And granted, I mean, you, you did get to see your name in print because, you know, we, we put a lot of stories up there of yours and, and you were so graciously contributed for all, especially the first year, I think we barely got anything and, and you covered a lot of it, uh, you know, the story-wise and poetry until we started getting contributors. You know, speaking of uh, name and print, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you was, do you remember what project was the first time you seen your name in print? You know, whether it be like online or in print. Do you remember that? Well, seeing my name in print, the first time I would consider seeing my name in print as being important to me was when I sold the Dragon Hunters. Because that was in a... Uh, legitimate magazine and I got paid for for the story so seeing my name in print at that point made me feel good I had seen my name in print you know many times before that in newsletters and other publications but uh, they weren't paying jobs and the, uh, the work wasn't read by uh, you know a lot of people so I would say the uh, Dragon Hunters it was uh, the first time I actually saw my name in print and, and really appreciated it for, for being there. That would make sense. You know, after all, it would be considered your first paying gig, you know, and, and getting to see your name into it. I think that's something that really drives a lot of writers. I mean, for me, I, I would I love to see my name in print. It's just something cool. Um, speaking of writers, what do you prefer? Do you prefer writing the story or do you prefer editing the story which is your preference well i would say after uh being an editor for seven or eight years and being a writer for maybe many more years uh, i would say being a writer is a much better gig than being an editor uh, as a writer you can pretty much do whatever you want to do as far as writing goes Make up your own worlds, make up your own people, make up your own languages, magic, anything you want to do. As an editor, you have to sometimes just, you know, slug your way through someone else's work. Um, frequently, that work isn't very well done. And oddly enough, many writers become rather incensed when you explain to them that their work isn't going to uh, get published for whatever reasons, and they think that, you know, you're crazy and their work is perfect. I, I, I've, I've been there before. But then, you know, when I was getting my rejection notices, I couldn't understand what their problem was either. It's a, uh, it's a mindset that uh, many new writers have, many young writers, and they, they, just, they just don't get it. But, yeah, I would, I would say definitely. Um, writing is better than editing. Of course, that's just my opinion. All right? I would have to agree with you on that one. I think um, with everything that you've done, I, I think that your stories are something that will continue. You know, you, you've been a creative person all your life, and you're going to continue to be a creative person. And, you know, when you get to do some writing, there's there's more of a, a freedom, a creative freedom as to, like you were saying, with editing, you know, there, there's steps to take in the process of editing. Um, and, you know, personally, I, I would like to see 
more of your writing in the future. It's it's something that I personally enjoy. You know, and I've said this quite a few times over. You know, before anything else, uh, whether it had been your your work with uh, MythWorks as the editor or the chief operating officer, I was a fan of your writing first, and I, I've always enjoyed your writing. You know, you know what? Speaking since we're talking about writing, what would you say creatively? What story was your favorite story to write out of all the stories you've written? Because we know that you've written quite a few. What is the one that just really rings your bell? Well, I guess if I had to pick a story that I've already written to be a favorite, uh, I would I would have to say it was uh, to dance with the dead. That was uh, a story that had a lot of meaning to me because it was basically about my grandmother's death. She died in uh, 1971. And I, I think I wrote that story not too long after she died. So that that might be 40 years ago I wrote that story. And uh, it's, it's one of the main stories in my first book, Dreams of Darkness, Dreams of Night. And it was uh, like a 10,000-word story, which is was one of the longer stories I had ever written up to that point anyway. But uh, I, I pretty much used myself as the as the protagonist in that story. That's something I've I don't think I've ever done since then. But anyway, it was uh, it was basically about me. Um, you know, my my grandmother's burial. Well, she was entombed. Actually, she wasn't buried. She was entombed in a, in a huge mausoleum down there in Southern California. And uh, I spent a lot of time in that, in that mausoleum. Even before she, uh, she had died, I, I knew about that place. It's a huge, marvelous mausoleum that's, I think, three stories high. Plus, it has a basement that not too many people know about. <clears throat> but... Uh, yeah, the story was about me. Uh, I actually ended up being locked in the mausoleum overnight. And uh, yeah, this is in the story, of course. <clears throat> and as, as I was wandering around, I discovered the uh, basement. And down in the basement, they have tier after tier of crypts. Or uh, you know spaces for for caskets and stuff that are most of them were from the 1800s. I never did find out where all those bodies came from or what what they were doing there. But anyway, <clears throat> that was an an important story for me to write, and I would probably say at this point. Uh, was my favorite story that I have written. I rather think that uh, if I ever finish the novella I'm working on, that might be my uh, most favorite story uh, to have written, only be 
because I, I had to do quite a bit of research on it and uh, it's taken me a long time to get it done. So, at any point, um, to answer your question, yeah, I would say it would be to dance with the dead. Yeah, to dance with the that was a good story. I remember when it came out um, on the world of myth, it was uh, the world of myth was still pretty much in its infancy, and I remember we came out with uh, we were doing monthly then, and you decided that for part three, you were going to give it to him instead of waiting a full month. You give it to him in two weeks. I remember that uh, the readers just ate that up. They really really enjoyed it. Um, you know that that would have been. One of, I don't know, that, that's something that had always connected with me um, when I, I seen it in print, you know, with the Dreams of Darkness, Dreams of Night. You know, I just felt like it was one of those cementing stories, you know, with the, the Terry D. Shear legacy, you know, of writing that would definitely be in the top elements of your stories. Um, so at this point in the game, though, you know, you, you've, you've done quite a few different things, you know, you've edited the editor in chief and, you know, you're an executive and you're writing at this point in the game, though, what would you say realistically would be a dream project for you to do? You know, would it be now let's, let's stick with what, what do you want to do? Well, when I was uh, a young writer. I had a dream project that I, I wanted to do. In fact, I, I I would have done it before now because uh, I'm getting pretty old now and I don't know if I'd ever be able to do it again. So I guess that's not really a realistic dream project anymore, but I always wanted to write a, a historical novel. <clears throat> I had the character all picked out and everything. But uh, I knew that it would require months, if not years, of background research and study and uh, note-taking and all of that other boring stuff that you have to do before you can actually sit down and write a, write a story. And then it might, it might have taken me another year just to get the, the story <clears throat> written down. So at this point in my life, I don't think that I would be able to uh, spend that much time uh, working on something that I might never, never finish. So, uh, a realistic dream project at this point in my life would probably be to have, you know, one or more of my stories or novel or whatever turned into a movie. <clears throat> I think that would be pretty cool, and uh, the money would come in real handy. But, uh, well, you know, that may happen someday, it may not, but I suppose that as a dream project, that would be it. Uh, I would love to, uh, you know, sit in on the, uh, the movie-making process and uh, see it up on the big screen. Oh, there was one other uh, dream that I had uh, 
for most of my life, I've, I've been uh, a member of the Science Fiction Book Club, you know, and uh, <clears throat> every month they send me out a circular with a uh, 20 or 30 pages in it of all these books that, are, that, that they have available for sale, um, many authors that I'm quite familiar with, many authors that I've never heard of before, new authors, always wanted to see one of my books in that little circular, that little brochure that comes out every month. I think that would be very cool. So yeah, I suppose that's a, that's a small dream project that, you know, it's realistic at this point and, uh, you know, may happen someday. So, all right, that's the end of that question. <laughs> okay, I guess that's... Okay, we're done with that question. Um, well, we'll just move right along then. Um, this month, we've seen you retire from Editor-in-Chief and the, the COO of the MythWorks Corporation, you know, formerly known as Dark Myth Production Studios. And, and you came in roughly about 2004 as editor and you just worked your way up and you know you've been like I said earlier just a, a cement part of, of this foundation of the company what was it that made you decide to, to retire I mean what was the, the straw that broke the camel's back and you know this one comes from me because you know I said again earlier I'm, I'm a fan of your writing and will you continue to write even though you've retired from editing and being the chief operating officer of MythWorks well you, you know Dave that uh, about eight years ago I was diagnosed with cancer and <clears throat> the past eight years have been uh, terrible drain on me and my wife and my family but uh, the radiation treatment and the, uh, the one surgery that I did have um, both failed obviously to destroy my cancer even though uh, the doctors you know, guaranteed that, uh, that yeah this, this, these procedures would uh, get rid of my cancer <clears throat> um, all they did do was uh, destroy my quality of life and uh, for the past uh, six or seven years I've just been pretty miserable <clears throat> and uh, as the years pass I, I've become weaker and slower both in body and mind and I, I just finally came to the realization that uh, I, I can no longer keep up uh, my, my work schedule and I don't really have the, the emotional or mental or even the physical uh, ability to continue to work on the outside so I finally decided that uh, I, I just have to retire from, from everything that I was doing on the outside. And uh, 
I'll just, uh, you know, fade away probably. But, uh, yeah, I will continue to write as, as my, uh, mental capabilities allow me to do so. Um, I enjoy writing. I've always enjoyed writing. And as long as I have the, uh, the strength and uh, mental will to continue, I certainly will. Uh, hopefully, something more will you know, come out of me shortly, writing-wise. Writing writing so, yeah, I will, I will definitely continue. Right. Well, I think that's good news for anybody that enjoys your writing. You know, we, we want to see you come up with more stories. You know, we've we've followed along, like I said earlier, in, in Dreams of Darkness, Dreams of Night, and we've followed along with the, the uh, Dragon Tales and other fantasy stories. So is there going to be a third book in the, in the making? I mean, do are we going to get to see a, a trilogy act if you will well I, I would like to see another another book come out uh, I certainly have enough uh, material for I don't know two more books at least uh, not to mention the, the, the novels novella whatever else I'm, I'm working on and uh, if you ever get around to working on that graphic novel again, Dave, I would certainly like to be involved with that. I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, definitely know which graphic novel you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to see another book come out. For all I know, uh, it may come out after I'm dead. But uh, even so, it would get my work out there, so I, 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 I'd accept that. <clears throat> So yeah, I would uh, I would like to see another book come out. In all honesty, I think we would all, you know, if, if anybody's listening to this podcast, they follow you, and and they they probably all feel like me, you know, we want another book from Terry D. Shearer, and that would be just awesome to to have one more book from you. Uh, two more books would even be better, but at least one more book because I know. You know, you, you have so much more to say. So, as we're, you know, coming in on this podcast, uh, and we're talking about essentially your career and, and what you do and who you are in the world of literature. And one word, what would you say? What, it, how would you describe your literary career in word, one word? One word. Um, you know what? After all the shit I've been through in my life, um, I would, and, and I'm, I'm talking about you know my my literary career here too. I would have to say one word description would, would have to be frustration. Really? Why frustration? Um, I've been frustrated. Uh, a lot in my life, and not the least of which was was having to wait until I was nearly fifty fucking years old to have my first story published. Um, of course, that was that was eh, all right. It was mostly my fault because I waited so long to uh, take my writing seriously. But 
even after uh, publication came, uh, there were still uh, frustrating moments. And uh, writing writing is not for sissies. <laughs> there is a lot of rejection. There's a lot of uh, bickering, a lot of critiques, a lot of really stupid people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about will tell you that your work is shit and uh, you know it isn't. So you just have to, you know, keep fighting, keep plugging away, keep hopefully learning from your, your mistakes and keep doing what you do best. <clears throat> Some people just aren't meant to be writers um, because it takes up an enormous amount of your time and it also takes up your family's time because when you're writing <clears throat> just like uh, <clears throat> excuse me just like the guy in The Shining you know when I'm writing don't bother me if you hear me typing, stay away. Don't come in here and ask me if I'm hungry or if I want something to eat or if I want something to drink. You know, just stay the hell away from me or I'll chop you up with an axe. You know, that kind of shit happens. <clears throat> but uh, there's a lot of frustration, in, you know, in the family. There's uh, frustration trying to get something done. There's frustration trying to get something published. There's... Well, anyway, <clears throat> there's a lot of frustration involved in, in, in being a writer, and uh, I would I would definitely say that uh, yeah, frustration at this point is a one-word description of my career in literature. And I think the most part, you know, for for writers is I, I uh, at least for me anyway, I can't say for everybody else. You know, I, I think when it comes to trying to write a story, most people just want to be left alone. Let them be in their own world. You know, personally for me, you know, I, I do. I, I like to have quiet and, and, and solitude and just hack at the keyboard and try to produce something good. You know, sometimes it's plausible, sometimes it's not plausible, especially in my world. Um, you know, so I can follow you, I, you know, and I think that was, I'm glad you brought up The Shining because, you know, a lot of people felt that that was kind of a, a horror film in an aspect, but, you know, if you really think about it, it was just the writer that was really pissed off. Um, you know, and I, I've, I've tried to keep most of these questions on a serious basis and, and I appreciate, you know, the, the frankness that you've you know, employed on each question, but I, I've got another one, and I want you to sit and take a moment and think about it, and then hit me back with a really good answer. And this one is: is what What do you think the future holds for Terry D. Shear? You know, what do you see to be in the coming years? Well, my future has been pretty bleak and dark for a lot of years now, but. Uh, I guess as long as I'm still alive and as long as I can still think clearly and function uh, purposefully, then uh, I can get some stuff done. 
uh, I, I do have other things I can do besides writing. I mean, I, I certainly do not spend uh, 12 or 14 hours a day just writing. If I did, I'd be much more famous than I am now. But uh, I do other things. I mean, I, I have other hobbies. I, I, I enjoy research into such things as uh, archaeology and paleontology and astronomy and uh, history especially. love history. And geology, uh, at least up here, this is, this is the most geologically marvelous place I've ever lived. Um, surrounded by, you know, uh, dormant volcanoes and the, uh, well, anyway, the ge geology's great. I mean, so that's, that, that's something. Um, <clears throat> but I like to do other things, you know, I mean, aside from, you know, reading and watching movies and, uh, uh, writing. I, uh, for years and years, well, since I was a very small kid, uh, I've been a coin collector, and I don't want people to be shaking their heads and saying, oh my god, what a nerd, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, collecting coins is, is, is part of our history, and since I'm into history, I like collecting old stuff, um, and I've been collecting coins since I was under 10. My grandmother started me on my coin collection. And uh, I've uh, still got all the coins she gave me when I was like, you know, 10 years old. My coin collection has never gotten huge, but it's something that I enjoy um, doing. Uh, I also collect medieval weapons bladed weapons. I uh, love swords and knives and things like that. I, uh, a couple of years ago I started collecting uh, antique medicine bottles. Those are pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, shit like that. Uh, I've got stuff I can do aside from writing, so I probably won't go completely insane on my own here. I, I do have things like I hopefully keep my mind occupied with. But if if things work out well, I uh, will continue to write and hopefully produce more, more stories and uh, get them out there somehow or other. So that should uh, keep me happy and maybe one or two people like my stuff so we've got that to look forward to anyway. okay Tier. so we've got one more question for you and this one is more of me than I think anything else at this point being outside influence and you know I've enjoyed sitting down and talking with you I, I like hearing the stories that you have to tell and giving the people the insight you know I've always enjoyed that you know, about our conversations, you know, I, I've literally every single conversation that I've walked away from, I've learned something. And that's just because of being with you, you know, being in company with you, you know, you, you always bring something to the table to teach. And I really enjoy that. 
So my, my final question to you is, can we expect more of Sheer Darkness in the future? Would you be interested in coming back and doing more podcasts? Well, I, uh, I would certainly do more episodes of Sheer Darkness if, if anyone out there is interested in, in hearing more from me. Uh, this episode was rather, you know, bleak and dark and basically just talked about my writing, but there is uh, a lot of other stuff that I would, you know, love to talk about if anybody was interested. Um, one other thing that I've, uh, uh, well, something that's piqued my interest in the past couple of years is the uh, uh, ancient astronaut theory about uh, aliens coming down to Earth uh, thousands of years ago and pointing uh, mankind along a new direction, possibly. Um, and I was, uh, I was a skeptic for a long time, for years. I thought these guys were really stretching you know, what little bit of truth it might have been to make things look better for them. But the more I dug into that, the more research I did on it, it it's just, there's so much evidence on this globe of things that just could not have been done by primitive people. And I'm not talking about things like pyramids, because that's been discussed sufficiently, I think, but in Peru and Bolivia, um, there are edifices that were built that could not possibly have been done by primitive man and uh, little statues that were made of, of guys that look like they're in spacesuits, flying machines that were found in Bolivia well these are, are of course tiny gold models of them but Anyway, there's just too much out there that is unexplained and needs to be discussed. Um, so, yeah, more episodes would be great for me. I'd appreciate it. Love talking to people, been in their ears, telling them they're wrong about what they believe. So, anybody out there wants me around some more, then I, I, I'm more than willing. And, uh, David, I, I appreciate, again, your taking the time to talk to me, and uh, you know, I wish you luck with the uh, new vision you have for the company coming out in 2013. It was my pleasure, Terry. You know, like I've enjoyed this conversation, and hopefully we'll be able to sit down and get some more talking in. So, thank you. And to all the listeners out there, if they're still listening after... You know, all this time, uh, I appreciate it, and thank you very much. And hopefully, you know, you'll be hearing from me again. So, until next time, then, I say good night and peace. Thank you. Told you you can't go to the future. <sighs> Fine. But. No, but. We had an awesome time in the past, didn't we? Yes, we did. That was a nice segue. <laughs> oh, well played, sir. I wish I'd planned that. <laughs>
Well, well, you you do have copious notes and uh, a cue card holder over here. I don't understand. Hello. So you can tell why she was hired. Ah, hey. <laughs> yeah. Now mm-hmm. that she gets rid of that last card, I do. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Dave, we got to go because uh, I got to go talk to the cue card holder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. Just stay there. <laughs> I don't think they're buying it. No, I don't think so either. No. no. Oh. It's just no cue card holder. Yeah, no, it's no. an M&M sitting by a dragon. That's <laughs> Wow, way to pull the curtain way back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank and you. Boba Fett. Oh, that's Django Fett. Never mind. Yeah, that's Django. All righty. Well, thank you for joining us on another Flashback Friday with Total Randomness. Yeah, yeah. I am Rob. I am confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. And we'll Talk see. about train leaving the tracks there. Oh, yeah. It jumped over to the road. Yeah, yeah. It took out a cow or two. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>